You're listening to the Current Plays Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, for December 2023. Now please welcome your hosts, Jordan and Thomas. And welcome back, merry listeners. Today, we've got a bit of a different episode for you. Uh, Only two games this month because, well, the holidays and man, it's been hard to get together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we also have our very first guest on the podcast and we are super excited to uh, bring that to you. Uh, Do we want to say who it is or are we keeping it a secret? I'm I'm probably going to put it in the episode title, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, let's say who it is. It's not happening right this second, but it will happen throughout the episode. So you will see the set. You will hear the segment with with our guest, who is <laughs> Jamie Stegmeyer. Very exciting stuff. That's super exciting. I don't know how you pulled it off, but uh, well, I do know how you pulled it off, but I'm just impressed that you pulled it off. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, Jordan, how did, how did you, uh, get Jamie to agree to, to join our show? Yeah. Um, so I'm a Stonemeyer champion and I don't know if, if these emails, I think these emails go out to the Stonemeyer champions. Um, but basically a survey, uh, asking about the different, he actually posted the results of his survey, uh, on his website and in, in his blog, but basically like trying to get a feel for how, you know, what kind of games gamers enjoyed throughout the year with, you know, where their collections are at, uh, what, and they're trying to project for future, you know, business. Right. But one of the, at the very end, it was like, is there anything else that we can do in 2024 to make your gaming experience better? And I said, you could come on my podcast. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just thought it was a joke. Uh, you know, I was hopeful, but I wasn't expecting a reply. <laughs> and, and, you know, a few days later, I got an email in my inbox saying, Oh, I'd love to come on your podcast. I was like, I was so blown away. <laughs> uh, very excited though. Very, very excited. Um, and Jamie, we'll, we'll talk about it, but he's, like he does this, right? Yeah. He donates so much of his time to community events, going on podcasts, writing blogs about uh design and development and production. And um it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, but I'm still a little bit, you know, it's like <laughs> for sure. He's a bit of a celebrity to me, right? But even though he's not a celebrity at all. <laughs> In the in the in our community, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that was uh, super impressed. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, when you told me, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so neither of us are really prepared uh, for that. It was it was it was quite a surprise and uh, an exciting surprise too. So yeah, pretty excited to have him on the show today for you listeners, right? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, okay, so uh, it's the Christmas season. Now, Indeed. when you're listening to this, uh, it'll be slightly after the Christmas season. Uh, but uh, 
we've got, I don't know, I've got a ton of game playing done. Uh, I've had some uh, holidays so far, some vacation. Uh, but also, uh, you've got quite the, uh, I guess, haul from Christmas. Do you want to uh, <laughs> talk a bit about <laughs> what you've added to your collection this month? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was another uh, board game full Christmas at, the, uh, at our house. <laughs> Um, so my wife and I, we've gotten to the point where we're like, just, let's just like, what do you want? You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) let's not, let's just take the guesswork out of this. But so, uh, I had, I gotten actually viticulture and architects of the West kingdom, uh, for my wife to give to me for Christmas, basically. Nice. nice. I also, uh, Santa brought Dorf Romantic uh, for the family, and uh, Lacuna wa- uh, came in like right before Christmas, like, uh. <laughs> like, like a couple of weeks before Christmas. Um, so got that, which. It's funny, actually, in our last episode, I was talking about how you can't get that in stores and um, <laughs> it's only through the publisher's website in the States and shipping and all that. Right. And then between us recording that and me editing it and releasing it, Lacuna had come out in stores up here. and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that one was interesting, though, because it was like, you're right. It was like it wasn't available. And then all of a sudden it was like. Just a switch. Okay, it's available everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It was just all of a sudden, right? <laughs> Which was funny because, like, I sent you the first one I I saw. It was like, hey, look, it's in stock here, right? And it happened to be at our um, uh, our affiliate board game bandit, right? So I flipped you the link, and I think that's where you picked up your copy, right? Yeah. Uh, but then, like, what? <laughs> Every other website we looked at. Oh. It's also in stock here and here and here and yeah. here, right? So and I went like, into yeah. J&J's and they had like a bunch of copies on the shelf. Oh, that's really funny. You, you know, ah. I, I saw Tom Vassell was talking about his, uh, I can't remember. It was a 2023 video for like, okay, over 2023. Here's my most, something like interesting games, I think games that do something different. Uh, and this one was at the top of his list. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so that's, that's, that was interesting. He had a lot of them. I don't always match up with uh, Tom Vassell's choice of games. Right. A lot of the times I do, but then other times he likes a lot more lighter stuff than I, than I enjoy. And he had a lot of like light stuff that I was like, uh, uh, but then this one came up as a top spot and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Right. So yeah, we played a couple of games of it actually. And oh, it's nice. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very simple. Yeah. 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 But you can see that there's like a depth of complexity to it uh if you really want to you know sit and try and figure it out sure yeah 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 like like i i remember we we played a game <clears throat> my wife and i and it was like yeah okay and yeah and then i went and she's like oh yeah of course right <laughs> <laughs> and we we played another game and i was like okay i'm going to sort of focus on this and then by the midpoint of the game, I went, yeah, I've lost. <laughs> like I was <laughs> placing my last pawn and I was like, I've lost this no matter what I do. Like I, I can't win this now. And 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was neat to see that. Um, we'll, we'll I'll talk about it uh, during our other plays, but sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can sort of again, I've only played a couple of times, but I can see how there's like this. There's it's simple, but it's got depth. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can appreciate a game like that for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to get uh, a game out that's not super rules heavy that you can, you know, quickly get to the table, but then mm-hmm. has some meat to it that you can, you know, they say uh, one of the things I've recently on Reddit, I was uh, reading about was chess, of course. Uh, but someone was saying, would you, would you consider chess a high complexity game? Cause BGG has it low uh, ranked as very low complexity. Right. And somebody posted a really good, uh, kind of paragraph they're just saying that yeah it's it's a it's a very light game but it has a lot of depth when it comes to the strategy right and I'm right like, okay that's cool yeah that that makes sense right you can have a light game but ha- that has deep strategy in it right so yeah exactly i wouldn't say lacuna has the same depth as chess obviously but, but chess i actually is just, yeah it's all variations, right? That's all it is. Yeah. Right? So, but and I did sort of think about chess when we were playing it, actually. But it's oh, more nice. of a, it's more of a spatial puzzle sure. than a, uh, movement tactical movement puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's cool. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I also my wife surprised me with uh, Iki. Nice. Yeah. Yeah and res arcana that's that's pretty awesome yeah yeah so excited to get those ones out um <laughs> i also want to talk about Iki a little bit but maybe i'll save it <laughs> um and then you got me uh seven wonders duel mm-hmm. yeah 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 which is very kind of you i'm excited to, oh, to course, get that yeah. one out yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I wanted to find something that was two players so that I could enjoy it as well, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, expanding yeah. our collections without expanding our own collections. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Katie said I'm getting too close to that hundred uh, board games, so uh, yeah, I got to start buying you games so that my collection <laughs> doesn't, you know, exceed it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, it's. My sister uh, was like, I don't know where to buy your games, so get a game (laughs) (laughs) on me. And uh, so uh, I ordered um, Dune Imperium uh, Uprising. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the new like re-implementation of Dune Imperium. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's like the um, stand. I, I think it's a standalone expansion is it not too like you could mix it with with the uh maybe that, mix it i'm not sure i feel like you might be able to but it's also standalone as well right yeah i don't know maybe not maybe you can't yeah yeah <laughs> who knows my understanding was it was a like a new implementation of the game that's but, cool yeah um, so like a 2.0 version maybe yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah but but yeah, yeah, I, I I think you went light on the Christmas this year. Yeah, we did. We, uh, my wife and I, we don't we don't typically um, buy each other uh, stuff for Christmas, uh, so we avoid that, you know, difficulty and what do we get each other kind of thing by just not getting each other anything, right? Uh, but I did, however, get 
something from you, Jordan, and that was uh, the new expansion, uh, the Missing Expedition for uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak, which I have heavily played already. Nice, uh, and I'm excited to talk a bit about that as well uh, when we start talking about the the stuff we've been playing this this month. Uh, oh, it's it's really good, right? And there's and there's some new new characters in there too that I'm excited to talk about as well. That uh, yeah, I just I want to bring it back to the table just to get you to try it out too with the with some of the new uh, leaders that uh, that this one you know brings in. There uh, there's some good ones. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so speaking of, <laughs> there, there were a couple of things that this holiday season, it, it got me thinking about. Sure, yeah. Um, And we've talked about FOMO before, the fear of missing out. Yes. Right? And... I again was was definitely feeling it. So it's crazy to me. So I was telling you before the show that uh, I had decided, you know, when my sister was like, "Okay, get get a game," I was like, "Okay, my I'm I'm trying to this is sort of this Christmas haul or whatever you want to call it." <laughs> I'm I'm trying to like limit myself now and going, you know, okay. The collection's pretty good now. Let's tone it down. And just, <laughs> you know, maybe birthday, Christmas, that sort of thing. I might get, you know, the new hotness, but let's not go crazy buying board games anymore. Uh, so my, like, the list of games that I absolutely must have now is pretty small. Uh, and one of them's not available, which is Age of Innovation. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so the first printing of that sold out like like in no time. Yeah, yeah. And then th- this the Dune Imperium Uprising hasn't been on shelves very long and again I looked it up uh at at J&J's on Tuesday and, and went, "Okay, it's in stock." Uh it was Boxing Day, right? So I'm like, I'll call them first thing in the morning when they open and I'll say, can you set a copy aside for me? Right. Uh, and I did that. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're all sold out. I'm like, I just checked your website yesterday and you, you <laughs> said you had lots of stock. And he's like, yeah, yeah. All sold out online this morning. Um, uh, yeah. Just and, amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I, you know, the, the panic almost, you know, the fear like it rises and I'm like, well, if I don't jump on it now, it might be a couple of years before this comes back to the shelves. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I ordered a copy online and, you know, paid for shipping. So it, which just bloats, right? <laughs> it's just less money you can spend on board games if you're spending half of it on shipping. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Yeah. FOMO is a big thing. I feel in this hobby, uh, sp- like specifically this hobby too. Like there's a lot of things that I never phases me. Oh, okay. I might miss out on whatever, but well, I'll get it later. I'll get it later. But mm. in this hobby specifically, yeah. It's like sometimes if a, especially if a game's not super popular, like you might see it and then it's gone. 
and you won't see it again until somebody reprints it in 10 years time when they go, you know what? Some publisher goes, I like that game. So I'm going (laughs) to try and bring it back. If it doesn't get into like some sort of, you know, legal tie ups and then you'll never see it again. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) like, I, I don't even think FOMO is necessarily a bad thing in our, in our hobby. Like in the sense that, you know, you get that anxiety and you have to go out and buy it. I never blame you or myself for really going out and, and doing <laughs> that stuff. Right. Like I look at like the Godfather, uh, Corleone's empire. When that came out, I bought that like day one when it was available. I got it off of Amazon, which I never buy board games on Amazon, but they were the only ones that, that had it. I paid like 80 huh. bucks. Right. So something like, like silly, right. Then it went down to like $50 once everybody had it in stock. Right. And now it's disappeared and it'll never be reprinted. So it's jumped back up in value again. Right. So it's, but how do you know? Right. Like it came out at 80. I was like, yeah, I'm locking this down because I really want it. Uh, Then it drops to 50 because now everyone's got stock and then it goes, you know, then it never gets a reprint again. So, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you do? Right. What if this is one of those times and you don't jump on it? Right. How many times have I had things on my list and you too? uh, I mean, you just said you have one age of innovation that you can't get right now. Right. But yeah. How many times have things been on my list? I'm like, yeah, I really want to pick this up. And then, oh, they don't exist anymore. There's okay. So I guess I'm going to have to try and find it secondhand. Wiz War. I happened to find that secondhand at a like used book sale kind of thing, right? Super random that yeah, it was yeah. there, right? But like I probably couldn't would never have found that, right? Uh, because it won't like it's been reprinted, but they changed the artwork for ninth edition. And I was like, I don't like the artwork in ninth, I like the <laughs> artwork in eighth and whatever, right? So like some of those things that yeah, they're here today and then potentially could be gone tomorrow so if you really want something like you kind of got to jump on it in this hobby i find uh merchant's cove that's another one oh, yeah. these guys are a smaller publisher i don't know when they're doing the next print run but i can't find that anywhere right i so. was you know looking for a christmas gift for you and i went to your bgg list yeah yeah and Everything, everything yeah. on your list was there, there. No one had a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, so, I mean, I I got you Lost Ruins of, of of Arnak expansion, right? But which I know you you wanted and would love. But so I went to uh one of the other local stores here in Guelph, the Dragon. Yeah, uh, and paid like quite a bit more than you know I would have paid at J&J's or or 401 games or something like that but they they had a copy <laughs> which no sure. one else did it was crazy yeah and yeah merchants yeah. cove i looked at like looked for the that one specifically all over the place yeah nowhere nowhere yeah. to be found yeah that that one's gone right um maybe if you go through the publisher but we've talked about that before how difficult it is yeah to get something from a publisher and then ship it here and then we don't know if you have to pay you know any of the the brokerage fees or anything like that right so you know i I feel like that's not a true option uh but yeah yeah sometimes 
you know, you have something and then, or you want something and it, if it goes, it goes. So I don't blame you for jumping on, you know, Dune and paying that little extra for, or, or lots extra for, for the shipping to make sure that you actually get a copy, right? And don't have to wait to, like that one will likely right. get, uh, keep being printed. But again, those ones are tricky because they're, they have, they're on an IP, right? So if yeah. that, if that time lapses and I think, is that, is it Gale Force 9 that has that? Or is it a different, uh, doesn't matter, but no, it's it, Direwolf. Oh, Direwolf. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so legendary that, or whatever, but is, or yeah. is that the film company? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. But yeah. It's yeah, Direwolf, yeah. Direwolf games. Yeah. So if that IP lapses and they don't get it renewed or whatever, the, then, yeah. you know, that's what happened with Simon and the Godfather. They don't have that IP anymore. So mm. that game's done. Right. So you, you fall into yep. that and you don't, you don't have a copy and then it's gone forever. Right. So FOMO is a thing. Uh, and rightly so in our, uh, you know, our, our hobby, I suppose. But yeah, I do. I got to tone down like, like the collection's good. I don't, but then at the same time, you know what, like we have a podcast and we want to, we want to do content on the latest games. So anyway, you know what I find too is, uh, so I got a lot of like games in my collection that, um, were early buys that I bought early in the time we so I wasn't really sure of you know what kind of games that I enjoyed or they were really cheap buys so I picked them yeah. up. I don't technically yeah. I still sometimes will pick stuff up if it's cheap. Okay, Dollarama stuff. Yeah, I, I still do that. I was gonna say I don't do that anymore, but I do. Uh, <laughs> um, but so every time I look at my collection, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I had these like core games that I love to get out, like Lost Ruins of Barnack. I'm gonna get that one out forever because it's just great uh hadrian's wall uh gloomhaven jaws of the line like those are you know my top games so of course i'm going to play those ones uh, but then i watch you so this is like this is a i don't know bad habit of my because i watch you get new stuff and add stuff to your collection i'm like ooh, that's a really good game and that's a really good game and then it makes me go i gotta add some more really good games to my to my collection right yeah so, so that adds more of a i gotta build my collection for fun games so we both can have a lot of fun that i don't i, I don't know it's not I'm like i'm sorry. trying to <laughs> compete with you i just think it's cool that we both have really cool games in our collection that are excited to oh let's let's share this game together kind of thing right yeah oh, you yeah. shared this one with me i gotta share something new and cool with you too right so <laughs> it's uh i don't know maybe a good good problem to have though because i like buying games too so let's be honest <laughs> I do really like that we both have different games in our collections, but you know, we typically only play with each other. So it's, it's like, we've got, you know, two collections in one kind of thing, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I could be like, you know, Hey, Hey Jordan, can we bring this one to the table? I really want to play that again. Right. right. And you were like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, and same, you know, back and forth. Like if you're like, Oh, I really want to try that one. Cool. Let's play this one or whatever. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah it is like having an extended collection really. Right. The one time uh, I was like, okay, I really like merchants and marauders, right? Thomas says merchants and marauders. Uh, we've played it a couple of times. I love it. Uh, I'm going to, I saw it used and I'm like, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to get my wife to play with me. Right. <laughs> we got it set up and I went through the rules and I think that was as far as we got. <laughs> amazing <laughs> and then she's like i'm not playing this game with yeah. you. 
<laughs> like, well, should have not Goodbye. picked this one up. Yeah, yeah. I should have just left it in Thomas's collection. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you do have uh, that's a, that's the thing too. So, like, I I can't get Katie to uh, to to play games um, very often, very rarely. If it's my birthday or something, she'll she'll play a game, right? So that's that's really the only times that we ever uh, play games. The odd odd time, uh, we'll play a card game or something uh, like uh, Lost Cities. Uh, so that's another yeah, yeah. one that you got me last year, right? Uh, so we were camping and she wanted to pull that one out because I brought it and she was like, okay, let's play it. All right. Cool. Uh, but that's the thing with, with your, your collection too, is that you, you have a wife that will actually sit down and play more often, not as much as like you and I play, but more right. often. So yeah, doubling up on some of the games that I own makes sense for you sometimes. Right. Uh, because you can get them to the table with her. Right. Whereas like if I went and bought, you know, let's say scythe uh i'm only ever going to play that with you yeah so we can just play your copy right uh that's that so there's no reason for an overlap with with from my point of view because i have nobody else to i don't play with anybody else right yeah Yeah, i'll play stuff with my my son but usually it's much lighter stuff and i have enough stuff like that i actually got lost ruins out for him to to play as well the other day Christmas nice. Day, actually. So, yeah, yeah. um, like I, I, I could totally buy games that I would just, but then it would be like, what? We'd play it one time, maybe two times. I yeah. might as well just play it in your collection with you, right? <laughs> the other thing is, if ever I like wanted to, I, I'm sure I could just be like, hey, can I borrow this game and, you know, I'll return it, right? Hundred um, yeah. percent. Yeah. So and and vice versa as well, right? So. Oh man, speaking of like, do I pick this game up? Because I'm probably only going to play it once. But <laughs> I saw they released a new Dice Throne set. Nice. And it's Santa versus Krampus. And I'm like, <laughs> ridiculous. Oh man. I, I actually thought, I'm like, do I grab this? And I'm like, <laughs> I'll probably get to the table once if that. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> That's really funny though. What a theme though. That's a great theme. You can play it yeah. every Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Start yeah. a new Christmas tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw I was getting a lot of ads recently because they had a um a, I think it was Kickstarter or a Game Found project. I can't remember. One of those crowdfunding things, but they were doing uh a, a bunch of X-Men character uh characters for for Dice Throne. Right. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's really neat. So they had like Wolverine and they had uh like Cyclops and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but they had like Gambit and whatever, and some of the uh like not you know typical characters, right? Uh, I'd say, right? And I was like, oh, that's really neat. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, but I should have sent it to you, is what I should have said. It's uh you know, done. Uh, but this was like every every <laughs> second ad on Facebook was this uh huh. Dice Thrones X Men uh, version, right? So, yeah, and you didn't send it to me because. <laughs> now, well, you know, now that I'm putting it into words, I'm thinking, yeah, this would have been a good thing to send to Jordan. <laughs> it never even crossed my mind at the time, though. Uh, I was just like, huh, yeah, more. So yeah, Dice here I'm stuff. like, I gotta tone it down. I gotta stop buying new <laughs> games, and then it's like, hey, you love Dice Throne and you love X Men, right? 
Yeah, I never even put two and two together just un- until I started telling the story and was like, oh, well. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. Well, that's, that's uh, again, part of the FOMO, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we talked about this with uh, Garfield Games. Yes. And was it nine days on Kickstarter? And if you miss it, you miss it. Like. Yeah, yeah, they specifically them too. They do they do 16-day runs on their Kickstarter, right? Instead of the typical 30 days, 31 days or whatever, you know, most Kickstarters are are that month um long, but yeah, they do 16 days and then but yeah, we both have been wanting to pick up Legacy of You. Yeah. Uh and you know, good luck good luck finding it. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's not uh, that's another one that's on both our lists. Uh, and high up on our list, but yeah, I I don't know when it'll be in stock next, right? So yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's wild, but yeah. yeah. So our very first guest on the Current Place podcast is none other than the imitable Jamie Stegmeier. Mr. Stegmeier is the co-founder of Stonemeyer Games, along with his partner, Alan Stone. Mr. Stegmeier is an active member of the board gaming community who frequently blogs and vlogs about board game design and publishing to help others with similar aspirations. And his charity works include annual charity auctions, monetary donations to wildlife organizations, and donating his time to other creators such as ourselves. So thank you for coming on, Jamie. I, I, I love that introduction. That's a nice way of saying it. I feel like you guys are giving me your time to, to have me here today. So um, I think it's mutual, whatever whatever that is. So yeah, th- thanks for having me. Well, thank Amazing. you for coming on. <laughs> yeah. That's the most formal we've ever been to, yes. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners will probably find it very strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember um, my introduction to Stonemeyer Games was I went to a friend's house for a game night. And he mm-hmm. pulled out Scythe and it absolutely blew me away. And it was actually the game that really cemented me in this hobby. I wouldn't say it's my first introduction to gaming or Euro gaming or, or hobby gaming necessarily, but that's the one that really, you know, cemented me and focused uh, my hobby time and energy uh, into what is now, you know, we have a podcast and, you know, so yeah, thank you for that. I, it's my number one favorite game, and and to this day, and I love it. Yeah. If only you were good at it, though, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> oh, I'm honored was, to hear that. Yeah. It was <laughs> the only game I could beat Thomas at for a while, and then, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> well, you said it before we started recording that you you play yellow. Do you gravitate towards the? Crimea faction, the yellow faction in that game, or do you just you bump, bump, bounce around? I actually do. Uh, we always yeah. randomize, but uh-huh. it is, yeah, one of my favorite factions, absolutely. And painted all the minis and, you know, painted oh, nice. them very yellow. And yeah, yeah. That's yeah, when awesome. we did the um, the campaign version, uh, mm-hmm. what's that expansion? That's Rise the of Fenris. Rise of Fenris, right? You, you get to choose, we chose our factions to, to start it off with, right? And yeah, you chose right. Crimea for that, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's great. That's great. And we, yeah, in that in that expansion, people who haven't played it, that it, it kind of forces you to change up your faction a couple of times, so you can't just pick one and stick with it. So hopefully that wasn't yeah. too disruptive when you had to change colors at some point. 
<laughs> we've talked about that one extensively actually uh yeah yeah we both love the uh the campaign style of it it was fantastic right uh just uh, i got an early lead i think and then just kept winning game after game after game right so it was yeah. like all the new stuff that came out i got like first pick on it and i was like i'll take yeah. this i'll take yeah. this right <laughs> so much to my like, chagrin yeah <laughs> This is my game. What are you doing to me? Right. <laughs> but That's yeah, great. my 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 yeah. introduction very similar uh uh to yours, Jordan. Uh so I had first heard of uh Scythe closer when it uh c- came out. I never got it to the table. I I always wanted to play it. Uh I mm. wanted to buy it actually. It was on my list. Uh, but it, Jordan beat me to it. Uh like <laughs> it happens time to time, right? And he brought it over to my place. Uh, and I remember the first time we played. I didn't know how to play it, so right away got all my workers out. I was playing uh-huh. as um, what's the uh, the the Vikings in the north? They're the um, the, the Nordic. Nordic, yeah. yes, Nordic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was playing as the Nordic. Got everybody out, and then could not like I, I couldn't afford to to keep everybody there when I was trying to do production. Right, so it was yeah. a great lesson to learn. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a great introduction to, to Scythe. And then once we played that, it was like, it was snow snowballing. We just started a, you know, Jordan has picked up almost all of your games, uh, quite quickly after they release, uh, and then now being a champion and getting his t-shirts and, uh, uh-huh. having access to the, you know, kind of the pre-orders. That's another thing that right. we've, uh, so we talk, you know, Stonemeyer games, quite often on the show now because we we play a lot of them right so i probably should know the answer to this from your podcast but i, I which i do subscribe to on, on spotify now but what is the oh, most recent okay. stillmeyer game that each of you have played uh, well libertalia actually is yeah, going to be okay. featured on this episode yeah oh, cool. so <laughs> nice. yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. um yeah that's it was one uh actually thomas has the original version uh-huh. but we play most of our games at two players right and yeah. that one doesn't necessarily work great at two players, but then your Winds of yeah. Gilcrest implementation plays wonderfully at two players. So that small addition of the the midshipmen, the midshipmen. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, makes yeah. such a difference. That was fun to figure out because there's there's lots of ways to do two player modes if if the game needs a two player mode, and we I wanted something that wasn't cumbersome. And I, I think we did pretty good with it. Like you're not really you're not running a bot at all. You just have that that, t- that extra yeah. that third player just always sitting there on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for trying it. You know, it, it's things like that too. We've talked about on the show a lot that uh, always impress us like little things like that. Uh, just because yeah, like turns out I have the original version here and I've played mm-hmm. it a number of times with two players and it, it doesn't just having that extra. Yeah. Midshipman in there makes such a such a difference overall on how the game feels and plays right yeah. uh and and i think yeah what a, what a great addition to that game to make it just so accessible at two players it it's such a yeah. simple thing that leads uh-huh. for complex decision making right right having that one that one other little piece of the puzzle there on the table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was fun to work with paolo on that game paolo, paolo's an incredible designer i, I was it was, you know, one of the great pleasures of my design life to be able to work with him on that and just kind of throw little challenges at him like that and hear him be open to it. Because I'm essentially saying, hey, I, I think this wasn't good enough in your original game. <laughs> right. Um, it's got to be nerve wracking. Can we do can we do it better? And he was always open to it, always open to exploring it, at least. Nice. Yeah. How yeah, much then- do you put into like 
like designing with like uh connie right um like how much do you insert your own into these games that you publish yeah i quite a bit uh like the the general process when i'm working with another designer is i'll they'll they're working on it independently and they'll send me the latest version and i'll look at it i'll play it Sometimes it's time to do a, a wave of blind play testing, sometimes not. And I'll send uh, the designer, Connie, for, for Apiary and for an upcoming game, too. I'll send her feedback about, um, you know, my thoughts, my ideas, a lot of questions. And uh, I, I, I love when I can have that discourse with the designer, some back and forth where Connie pushes back sometimes. She says, oh, yeah, we tried that. It doesn't work. This is why it doesn't work. Or, OK, yeah, let's let's give that a try or I'll explore that. Um, I, I, I love going back and forth with designers like that. As that's like the whole development process. I think some publishers yeah. might just take it, they accept a game and they just take it and they they work on it. And some designers might like that, but I really like to actively work with the designer because they know the game way better than I ever will. Nice. Yeah. And I think it really shows in what you guys release as, uh, you know, on your, for publishing, right? Like, yeah. if I think of sort of the, uh, you know, some of the pillars of, modern game design yeah stonemeyer games is one of them for sure right like you guys are always releasing things that a are great games but b like it, it it's always i feel gamer focused or community focused mm. right like even the things we've talked about on the show where you print the uh number uh printing numbers on the box you uh-huh. don't need to do that but like right. things like that like gamers just like some gamers just enjoy like yeah you could say hey look i was you know twelve thousand first printing of this of this game right and that's a cool right. thing to kind of show off right so yeah i think you guys really have like one of those pillars that i i, I definitely put you up there with some of the like you know stone Myers there red ravens another one i uh really mm. enjoy enjoys a publisher um and you know ryan lockett with his with his designs as well uh yeah. you, you know there's 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 a few main ones that really stick out that anytime you guys release something it's like hey pay attention to this because you know, it's likely going to be good. So you can, you can rely on it almost, right? Yeah, there's a certain flavor, I think, to Stonemaier games where you know what you're getting. And some people don't like mm-hmm. that. That's okay. But they kind of know that already. They know, okay, this isn't a flavor that I want to try out. Um, similar with with uh, with Ryan's games at Red Raven. I love his games. Um, and and you kind of know what you're going to get. He does different tweaks, definitely innovates. Yeah. But he has a he has a very specific brand that really resonates with me. I get that maybe not everybody resonates with it, but I I, I love that he has fully embraced that that brand. Um, yeah, and the yeah. worlds that he's created. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think another one, even uh, Garfield, uh, more recently, because they yeah. they are fairly uh, fairly new in the last number of years, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, and I've seen you've you've posted on some of their stuff uh, on some of their socials, right? Uh, but yeah. they're another one that uh, you, you kind of they have their flavor, and you know what to expect when they come out with stuff, right? So, totally. how does that feel to be <laughs> kind of like a pillar? Like, do you feel like do you know that you're you must know that you know you 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 uh you have this this presence in the in the industry uh how does that feel <laughs> right i mean it feels it 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 feels pretty incredible uh because it it isn't something that i ever expected my job or my career to be um and there are lots of i i see so many great games that fly so far under the radar because for a variety of reasons you know and and some of our games have done that too but I think we uh, we came along at a, at a right time where there weren't a lot of 
of publishers, uh, especially in the crowdfunding space. That's where we started out. Mm-hmm. And so we came along at the right time where it wasn't too diluted. It wasn't too crowded of a space. And we were able to build up at least somewhat of a name uh, before it did get pretty crowded. And so I feel very fortunate about that timing. Um, and it has put a lot of, I feel, I feel a lot of accountability to the people that follow us, where I really want to put a lot of time and effort and resources and love in every game that we make. So that when you do buy a game of ours blind, hopefully you're at least having fun for a few games, even if ultimately the game isn't the right fit for you. I think that yeah. shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, and like, I mean, lots of designers put out games that people enjoy. Not a yeah. lot of designers put out games that like then become like have a competitive scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like Scythe has a huge competitive scene. Is Does that like make a difference to you or do you just love all your games? <laughs> well, that, that is a great question because it's an odd thing. I, I don't, that, that isn't actually in any of my objectives for designing the game. Like I want a, a game to be very replayable and yeah. for anyone to feel competitive, especially with different asymmetric combinations, things like that have to be balanced basically. But um, that's not how I play games and it's not how I design games. So it's been neat to see those, uh, those little, I don't know, subcultures form around certain games. It happened, it's happened with Wingspan, it's happened with Scythe. And a lot of it's tied to the digital play, I would say. There are like local Wingspan tournaments that happen, but I I think a lot of that competitive play happens on Scythe Digital and Wingspan Digital. Um, Yeah. So it's neat to see when it happens, if, if people want to play that way. Is that, do you, do you guys play in online or local tournaments for any games? No, um, (laughs) I I do have side digital, but I always play Uh the AI. I I think we're both Mm -hmm. kind of the same way where just feel weird playing strangers online. Um, uh, anonymously we played actually, we actually, it was wingspan on board game arena with, um, another creator that, just did he reach out to us, Thomas, or oh, I reached out to him. Yeah, yeah. so another contact and, creator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. You know, we didn't know him, but because it was face to face, like we did like a Zoom or Discord thing, like yeah. that was a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. I, for for a while, like I followed like Fomov on YouTube uh, and was you know trying to increase my skill level inside and uh, was playing a lot uh, against AIs and you know against ooh. Thomas or whatever, but not. Uh, not against strangers online. I, I, I guess we're a little too old for that scene to have come naturally. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you too. Yeah, if I play a digital <laughs> game, I, I just want to play against the AI. And there's more flexibility that way. You're not making someone else wait for your turn or whatnot if you want to pause the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. We do famously take a long time on our turns <laughs> analyzing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of our thing. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, even uh, most most online, like anything online, I typically shy away from just because I'm more of a tactile board game player, too. Yeah, Uh, And and it helps with with like like let's take Scythe, for example. Right. The components in that game are so great that, you know, why do I want to look at it on a on a screen when I can pick up the you know, the, the, the mechs and the, and the, uh, even the, the wooden stars and all the, all the different, right. uh, components, right. The, uh, the resources and everything. Right. So it's just, you know, there's a, there's an aspect to the game that, that, uh, the components bring that you don't get when you're playing digitally. Right. I totally hear that. Yeah. That's, I, I, yeah. I, I greatly prefer the tabletop experience for that reason. And also like I'm on my computer all day 
I, I look at a screen all day and I'm distracted all day because I have two screens. I have a bunch of tabs open. I don't want to be distracted when I'm playing a game. I want to be focused on that experience and the people that I'm playing with. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that focus on, when I'm on tabletop play. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just something about like sitting across from the table too. like to, yeah. to your point, being distracted with uh, with the, the screens and everything, even to the point where like even my phone, whenever we play games, yeah. Jordan and I like I'm never on my phone. Like I yeah. didn't yeah. like I, I'm so engaged in the games that we play. And I, I just having, you know, time without that screen because I'm on the on, on the phone or on the, the computer quite often like yourself there, Jamie. So it's it's uh, it's a nice you know break away from that stuff to kind of enjoy that. And, mm. and you wouldn't get that digitally. Right. Right. Yeah. I have found so like I play on board game arena. Um, we're talking about like recent plays. I played last night. I played a game called Veil of Eternity. I think that's the name of the game on, on board game arena last night. Um, it's something that I picked up during COVID where we, I, I, you know, for, for a while I couldn't meet with people in person. So I started a weekly board game arena game night. And um, it in the last maybe year or so, I do every other week, I host a weekly game night. And then on the weeks in between, I get on board game arena for an hour or two every Wednesday or every other Wednesday and play there because I realized that the, the joy of it for me is that I get to play with people who aren't local to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and they're not, I mean, some of them start out as strangers, but we, we do the video chat. So we become familiar with each other pretty quickly. And I do enjoy that. I'm still distracted. So I don't love that part of it, but I have found, I found ways to try to embrace that experience and, and, I, I can, you know, I can play different games there that I wouldn't play on the tabletop, things like that, and play with different, most importantly, play with people that I wouldn't normally get to play with. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. We That's one of our issues is that mm -hmm. we've talked about this on the show, that if we want to play a game, we pretty much have to buy it beforehand, right? Like, right. buy it blind, and we play it together. Uh, I know you do, uh, this, like, you buy a, a lot of games, and then yeah. very charitably give them away uh after a while right uh, especially at the design day yeah but that gets hard like that gets yeah, yeah. expensive so yeah yeah um I, I definitely see the appeal of yeah just okay you have an account on board game arena and you have all access to all these things that you can you can try out right yeah I think for me, I, I found that I like the balance of the two. I I definitely prefer the tabletop gaming on, in person on the real table. Um, but I, I like that there's a little bit off the side on Board Game Arena and other digital games as well. Yeah. Yeah. And your partner, That's Megan, like loves games too, like loves to play with you. She does. Yeah, we yeah, we she joins all the game nights, um, uh, joins some of the Board Game Arena game nights, and she is my main campaign player. Uh, which I love. Nice. I really appreciate that yeah. she has gotten into campaign games because, you know, it's so hard to arrange a big group of people for campaign games. But if you can find one other person who really wants to enjoy that. Uh, so we just finished the role player adventures campaign. And speaking of Ryan Lockett, we're about to start Sleeping God's Distant Skies, which I'm really, really excited about. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've I, tempted uh, Thomas with that one a few times, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just picked up Sleeping Gods as a gift for uh, my brother, right? And it's probably the nice. hardest thing I, I had to do because I don't own it yet. Uh, so, uh -huh. and it's been on my list for for a while, right? So, yeah, having yeah. to you know pick that up off the shelf and then like wrap it up and not being able to open it yet—that's been that's been tough. Right? <laughs> but yeah, you no, probably could have been sneaky about it. Open it up, played it, put it back. Just told him that you wanted to. You just wanted to learn the rules so you could help him out. I had to make he, sure all the pieces were there, right? I right, didn't want to right. have to go through. Okay, there's a missing piece. <laughs> then you got to fill out the emails. And, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's um, uh, that's exciting though. That's that's it's yeah. nice having a partner that you can uh, definitely uh, you know play games, especially long long longer form when you're when you're doing a campaign, right? We've done totally. Jordan and I've done one campaign game together, uh, mm-hmm. and that was tough. So, you know, trying to do uh, the campaign uh, while doing a show at the same time, right? Because then you know all of a sudden one of our uh, weekly games and I like because we we play once a week together, mm-hmm. uh, and then one of those is is busy with with this campaign right and then it was like every other week we were getting a new game that i was bringing to the table right so yeah one experience though they're fantastic when you can get that 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 time to do them though for sure i can see that being a tough balance especially if you're yeah if you're trying to create content about recent plays and not just recent plays of the same game mm-hmm. yeah did it change which games that you bring to the table at the same time like were you bringing shorter games so you could play like a 30 minute game and then get back to the campaign game or did it not impact the other new game that you're bringing to the table. No, it was pretty much like my week was Rise of Fenris, and then okay. and then the next week was Thomas's pick, and he'd pick something, and then yeah, go back to Rise of Fenris, and sometimes think, we'd get two yeah. two night yeah t- mm-hmm. two two plays of Rise of Fenris in in a night, right? So that yeah. was right. yeah, and luckily uh, that's not thanks. too long of a campaign, so it went for <laughs> yeah. I think we played it like five weeks though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and that was, I think, uh, our we were sort of switching formats from mm-hmm. a weekly show to a monthly show, okay. uh, just because I I couldn't keep up with the editing. It's really it, it's yeah. a lot. So um, we the the monthly format. Uh, what I don't I, I like the weekly format in that you know the games are fresh and uh, we get better content. We remember everything. Uh, but the the right. editing was too much, and I the monthly format's been a better life balance for me for sure. I don't know how yeah, you yeah. you put out so much stuff like every week blogs, yeah. vlogs, like and on top of designing and everything. But I guess that's kind of your your day job too, right? So it is part of my job, and I don't edit. I mean, I, I decided early on. I was like, I just want to press record and go. I know I'm yeah. going to make mistakes. I know it's not going to be perfect. Um. I, I applaud you for pu- putting that effort to edit. And I, I do have now a coworker who puts in like images on my longer form videos, which I really appreciate. But the editing, I, I, I tried that early on. I was like, this is, this is making it not fun. <laughs> this is making it feel like work instead of me just talking to the camera for a few minutes about a game that I love. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, yeah. I do enjoy that format too. Cause I've seen some of your, um, you know, videos where you just talk about, Hey, the, here, here's a, here's a couple mechanics that I absolutely love. Right. And you just kind of yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just chatting to the, to the camera and kind of show. And <laughs> I really enjoy how, like, sometimes you'll try and like bring the board out to kind of like show something <laughs> and it's like half a board, but you can't really see, but like, you know, it, it just shows like your enjoyment of the, uh, you know, what the, the topic you're talking about. Right. So I can appreciate that for sure. Thanks. I appreciate that. I I have it has uh, over the, in the last month. I've started using software called Streamyard, yeah, and that has really helped. Like I'm still holding boards up sometimes, but I can share my my other screen in real time and share um, stuff from. Usually, I, I just find images on BoardGameGeek to share as well. That that has really helped because I I always thought I would have to edit that in afterwards, but yeah. there's a way to do it. Uh, live or even when I'm re- just recording, it's not live, but I, I can do that while I'm recording too. So that that's really, really helped me. Yeah. We, we've talked about taking this to a video format. 
mm-hmm. um, just because we're we don't have that YouTube audience, right? We're, and I right. feel like that would be a boost to the podcast. But yeah, the, the the like the sheer amount of extra work that would be, I yeah. I don't know. It, it might just kill it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, try but, experimenting around with Play Streamyard because yeah, I think you can try it for free, and it's it was. I'm not particularly tech savvy with that sort of stuff. And you must more be more uh, tech savvy since you're doing the editing. It, it's it's quite easy to use um, and just to add Sweet. those images in on the fly rather than having to wait till an edit to do it. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was there much more you wanted to talk about, Thomas, or? Well, I don't like I, I I know you had about a 30 minute kind of window yeah. here and I think we've eaten e- eaten that uh, time up. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to if if you're busy, I don't want to I, I don't want to keep you, uh, you know, on, on the call much longer here. But do you have anything, you, you know, you want to uh, talk about to the uh, to our listeners? You know what what Stonemeyer has uh, cooking or what 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 you uh, you know just want to ch- mention? Is there anything like that like you'd like to uh, announce to the to the listeners? I kind of I, I thought. Did you want to talk about anything that we've played recently, or do you do you want to save that for the rest of the podcast? No, absolutely. No, Go ahead, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a game you've been playing recently, we'd love to hear it. I've been playing a lot of games recently, so I'll, I'll throw a couple of different games out there and you can let me know if you're interested to delve any deeper into any of them. So um, I, my game night, well, I played Veil of Eternity last night, which is in the board game hotness right now, probably, I think, because it's an alpha on board game arena. It's a it was a really interesting game. It, it have, you, have you guys heard anything about it? I haven't. I haven't. This one, I have one. not. No, it's the, the hook that that I didn't know about before I played it. Because it's essentially a combo building game. You're you're gaining a card, you're playing a card. Hopefully, it combos with some other cards that you haven't played. But it um, the the hook is that there are only three different coin types, and there's a one value coin, a three value coin, and a six value coin. And you can't, unlike most games, those aren't. Um, it isn't treated like currency in that if I spend six dollars on something that costs four, that I get two dollars in change. Rather, like those are the resources at their set value. And so, Interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that by itself, I thought was pretty cool. But on top of that, a lot of the cards combo with those specific resources. So a card might say whenever you spend a $3, a, a $3 coin, you gain a point. Or I had a card that said whenever I spend a one value coin, it's worth two, two, $2 instead of just $1. So I, I really like how the combos played off of those coins. And I was trying to, I could think of uh, Alhambra as the one other game that I think that does anything like this. And I was, it's been, been on my mind. I was more curious if, if you guys have played any game like that, where you have those currencies that are treated a little bit differently than normal currency huh. in games. The only thing that comes to mind for me is, um, and we've played recently to uh, the Godfather Corleone's mm. uh, Empire, right? They yeah. have the different right. cash values, right? You have your ones, your twos threes and fives of things but you can't make change so whatever you get so if you get a five if you get a three and you have a two you can't you know trade them in for a five that's where you're so you're trying to like enter these into your suitcase so you you know get victory points at the end whatever the case may be right Uh, but because you can't uh make you know, you're the correct change. You you're stuck with, okay, I'm taking a suitcase, that suitcase action. I want to put in five, but I only have a three and a two and I only get one suitcase action. So I got to put in a three. 
right? So that two stays out and you might lose it, right? So that's the only thing yeah. that kind of when you were talking about that kind of triggered it. What I'm interested about the combo building there that you were talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, so that card that you were saying, whenever you play a three, you get a victory point. Would that encourage you to play like the $3 coin when something only costs one or something? Uh, just so you could get that victory point? Does it create situations like that? That's a good question. I, I, I'm guessing there probably are some situations like that that arise. It's still kind of pushing you towards optimized play to find something that costs three to spend that $3 coin on. Sure. But it also has a limited number. You only have four. You, you can only have four coins at a time. So you can't just accumulate money. Oh, you wow. You can only yeah. have four coins. And so that, hmm. that restriction, I think, helps. And it, it's also paired with whenever you're there's like a, an open card draft like cards on the table you're you're picking cards that you want to do something with and you can either take a card into hand or you can just sell one of those cards right away what before you take it into your hand and each color of card in the game is uh when you sell it is worth different coin values so like all the purple cards are worth the 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 big six dollar coin value so if you just sell it you gain one of those six dollar coins which can feel really good. You're getting a $6 coin that takes up only one slot, but there are also cards like I, because I had this one card that, that doubled my, my uh, one value coins. There were some cards that I could sell that would give me four red coins. And so that felt really good. I was going after those types of cards. So it added that decision space of like, which cards am I targeting just to sell? Like, I don't want these cards. I just want to sell them right away to get specific coins to use those coins for other things. They just, they really played a lot uh, around a lot with that, that little, that little hook that was yeah neat. yeah that's yeah. neat yeah yeah that sounds awesome yeah yeah good design is is having the players make hard decisions right or yeah and interesting decisions yeah so that's cool yeah that's what i really enjoyed re recently let me see if there's another game that i played that might scratch the edge of the types of games that you guys play um Probably the heaviest. Actually, I played Last Light recently. Have you have you heard oh. of that one or played that one? Yeah, that's one, another one I haven't heard of. Yeah, I've yeah. wanted to check this one out. Yeah, the uh, Secret Cabal gaming mm -hmm. podcast guys talk about it a lot. Yeah, it sounds so neat. How was it? I I, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of this big epic space 4x game with a lot of interaction, a lot of different ways to get victory points, a lot of ways to level up your engine. Um, but it's all simultaneous play. Like you're choosing an action from your hand and wow. playing it at the same time as everybody else. And so a game where a lot of these, you know, these big epic space games can take three, four or five hours. This game really does take an hour, but you're getting all that complexity due to that simultaneous play. And it also leads to a lot of surprises because you don't know what the other players are going to do. They might do something that isn't interactive at all on their turn, or they might do something where they're moving around the board and, and there's a lot of interaction. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a, a really, really clever design. And it sounds like yeah. it's kind of in the realm of the game types of games that you two enjoy playing with each other. We played yeah, it at yeah. three and it worked fine. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. And it's got one of those neat, uh, we call them gimmicks. Uh, uh -huh. again, Thomas said not in a negative way, but like, yeah. like Zolkin, right. Which with the big gear, which like commands, a, an interesting table presence. And it, that's got a similar with the solar systems moving around, right. Or the planets moving around. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. 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 Yeah, even if you are not moving around the board, every round, the, like you said, the, the 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 big board is like one big round board and there's a middle round board in the middle and that one rotates. So even if you're not moving, you probably are moving anyway because the board is going to make you move or move the planets around the system. Yeah, I dig that. That's cool. That sounds neat. Yeah, yeah definitely need to check that one out. 
yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. Yeah, those are two recent ones. I, I, I played a lot of games recently, but those are two recent ones that, that come to mind. <laughs> Keep going absolutely. if you got more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the one other one, I guess, one that surprised me near the end of the year, because it was pretty far off my radar, is a game called Santa's Workshop, uh, the second edition. Right, yeah. Fair enough, okay. Yeah, yeah you mentioned that, this one. That I, I've now played, the, it's essentially two games in one, because the, there's an advanced game that has a lot of engine building, um, they're both worker placement games. It's just one side of the board is a little bit different, a little simpler. And then I played the standard version with uh, with Megan and her family over Christmas. And it was also a delight. Like There was no engine building at all, but it was still a really clever worker placement puzzle with a ton of positive player interaction. Um, where the, there's this like assembly line format to the actions where if I put my worker down first on an action, I'm going to get less resources for it. If someone else then goes on that action, they're going to get more resources because I'm already in that assembly line kind of helping them out. But right. because they went after me, I get a point because I have a worker there and that I, can yeah, scale yeah. up across four different worker spaces on each action. So lots of good feelings throughout the game and uh, and the standard version. Like, I don't always love when games have different modes like that, especially with completely different rule books. I had to relearn the game for the standard version, but hmm. it did make the game so much easier to teach. And uh, for people who maybe weren't ready, weren't in the headspace, you know, it's Christmas Day, we were relaxing. Um, sure. They weren't yeah, yeah. in the mind space to play a really complex game. And it worked out beautifully for that purpose. Nice. That's a yeah. very interesting mechanic where you're, you're the first person to uh, play it gets less resources. It's less. Typically, yeah. yeah, it's the opposite, right? You you right. you go to that action, you get the most. So you kind of want to go there early. Right. And then, you know, so that's, that's really where it's kind of flipped it on its head there but i like how yeah. they give you the point though if you so yeah. there's still reason to go early right so wow that's yeah that's a really neat design choice right i really like yeah. to see some of those stuff uh things too with with design choices like that we, we we talked often when the first time we played uh um raiders of the north sea and yeah. placing your your workers and then picking up a worker right we had never right. seen that before so that was a really yeah. neat you know, uh, introduction to the kind of like a, a worker placement spin, right? Uh, and this sounds very similar. Like there's a spin on that tried and tested kind of uh, mechanic, right? So yeah, I, I love that little that. twist. And in Raiders too, I love I the, the whole idea that your workers are not your workers. They're just workers. They're yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is such a yeah. cool twist. Yeah. And that was one of Shem's first games. That's that's incredible that he came up with that so so early on in the in his in his uh company's process yeah 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 things like that yeah just just really neat when you uh when you have this these mechanics that have been around for uh forever uh yeah. you know for a long time during the hobby game existence right and then all of a sudden there's a, like a t tiny tweak to it and like oh why didn't how, why has no one thought about doing something <laughs> like that right so and then yeah. you know you get to see it, right? Well, that's something you're amazing at is taking like little bits of of different mechanics from different things and then changing them or combining them and making something brand new. It's uh it's it's incredible. Like we we've often talked about designing our own game, and but I I don't know, I'm not that creative <laughs> to come up with this new stuff. Yeah. So kudos. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that, that first time we played Scythe and just doing like the, you know, the top action and being able yeah. to do the bottom action. That was like, wow, what a what a <laughs> neat. Yeah, what a neat mechanic that you get to do. You're doing this, but then if you could pay, you can do this extra mm -hmm. stuff, too. And I hadn't seen that before either. So it was really 
it's such a cool thing to you know experience for the first time, right? Yeah, I'm glad you had fun with that. It is, yeah, a lot of a lot of just play testing and iteration to stumble upon that stuff. Like almost yeah. none of those ideas are like ideas that I put down on paper and then they actually work out. It's just putting things together and seeing seeing what clicks. Yeah, yeah that's nice. really cool. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like Jordan said, we've 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 dabbled and and talked about stuff, but then sometimes we look at some things and how how did this designer even think to do that? Right? Yeah, like it yeah. just. The, the the mind space to be in to to sometimes have those thoughts it's just something both of us look at and we're just very impressed with them we go, oh wow that's just you know <laughs> we're blown away by some of them right so well, i think it's amazing. also part of the challenge is making it fun like i i think it's I, I see a lot of games especially game submissions where they have leaned into a really innovative hook but they've gone so far into it that they, I think they've almost, and it's still, it's incredibly functional. They made it functional, but they've almost forgotten that it, it isn't fun. But having it, when you can combine those two things where it is functional, it's balanced, it's intuitive, and it's really, really fun. I, I am always amazed when designers can pull that off. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And, and it, uh, it's really neat to play that as a, as a player, right? To get yeah. to, yeah, enjoy that. Yeah. Well, it looks cool. like we're about to be cut off here. Oh, yes. <laughs> we got Thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Um, Thank you guys for taking the time to chat. I, I love talking about games. I love the introduction to your podcast, too. I, I am a subscriber now, and you keep up the great Thank content. You. Even if it's month to month, I, I'll, I'll still be there listening. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you so that. much. Thank Appreciate you. it. What a cool dude. What a gentleman. Yeah, so much so, right? Yeah. Like, oh. uh, I feel like, you know, some of it, like a lot of his, I don't know, some of his success too must come from just his personality as well, right? Right. Like, I don't know. I think sometimes like <clears throat> if I would, if I was super successful in the industry like that, would my mouth ruin it at some point? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? So we have a show to record. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, that was great. That was so great. I enjoyed that a lot. Well, thank you very much, Jamie Stegmaier, for coming on the show. That was that was definitely a highlight of uh, of our lives, really, <laughs> but of the show for sure. Um, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's also a great segue into our uh, other plays. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jamie's been playing some, uh, more recent games, more, uh, yeah, I guess the hotness stuff, right? Yeah. New hotness, but, uh, talking BGG style, right? Yeah. Uh, but which is pretty great, but Thomas, what have you been playing lately? Uh, so as you know, I've been working towards uh, that challenge I had of the 365 plays yes. in this year. So as of this recording, I have one more game to play in the next three days. So nice. 100% I'll make that. Uh, so there's no no question in my mind that that's going to that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, because of that, I've been playing quite a bit. Uh, so 
again, uh, I'm on vacation now, but, you know, I was bringing a lot of stuff to to work to play. So, you know, a couple of things that I got uh, to work, obviously, I had talked about uh, something wild. I haven't played that recently, but that was one of the ones that I was bringing to work. Uh, Bonanza, I got a few plays in. I think I mentioned that last episode. Yeah. Which is the bean bean farming game by uh, Uwe Rosenberg. Uh, there was, let's see here, uh, Battle Line is another one I brought, uh, which is a, a GMT game. Uh, and I've talked about it a bit on the sh- uh, show before. So basically, you're trying to play formations at various different flags. So you have... Uh, I believe it's nine flags in the center of the board, and these flags are represented just by like uh, basically red markers, let's say. Uh, So little tokens that represent the flag. And your goal is to uh, take over three flags in a row or five total. Right. Uh, so how you do this is by playing cards at each of the various flags uh, on your side of the board and your opponent plays it on their side of the board. This is a two player only game. So I'll get this out with you, too, Jordan, because I think it's a it's a light enough game that, you know, we could play it quickly on one of our, our game nights. But it's yeah. got some it's got some uh, depth to it, too, because you're you're trying to essentially play these formations, which are either a their runs of cards. So let's say like four, five, six. Right. Uh, or they're all the same color card. Uh, so three red cards or something. You can only play three cards at each of the locations. Uh, and each of them are, are are titled a different formation. So the same color run is called a wedge. And that's the highest you can do. So if you have like a eight, nine, ten, that's the highest wedge in the game. So you automatically will win that that flag once you complete that that wedge. Right. Uh, and then you're you're basically there's a number of these different types of wedges that you can do. So three of the same number is another type of formation. Uh, and, and you're playing these and you're trying to win the flags. Right. Cool. Very neat. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Like it's a cool little two player game. I got my coworker to play it. Uh, she enjoyed it. She, uh, I believe she won the first game actually, uh, which is always great. Cause then it like hooked her on it. Yeah. Uh, so we played it like another three or four, uh, four, four more times. And I crushed <laughs> her every one of those times afterwards. <laughs> so, so it was a good introduction to be like, yeah, I want to play that uh, one again. Okay, great. And then I crushed her. Right. So, <laughs> And then she was like, I just got to win one more. I just got to, I just got to like re-win it because I've already won it once. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's keep playing it. Right. So, but yeah, that's, that's a fun one. That's uh yeah. Battle line. Um, you know, I, I, I got Hadrian's wall out, uh, another time because that's always a, a fun play. We were, uh, it was, you know, the evening the kids were going to sleep. I was just lying on their, their floor, basically in their bedroom. And I was like, well, I'm just going to play some Hadrian's wall while I'm lying here and I'll let them fall asleep. Right. So I did that. That was fun. Uh, and then I, uh, hid my score sheets under my daughter's blanket. So when she woke up, she'd be like, what, what's going on? Why, <laughs> Why are there pages under there? Um, I introduced my, my father actually to uh micro macro prime city. Uh, now he is blind in one eye and the other eye, you know, is, is not great. Uh, he's still able to drive, but not, uh, not, not perfect vision or anything. Right. Uh, so he had fun with that one, but, uh, it was, it was neat to kind of, you know, show someone that one, that one's of course, the one where you have this giant map of crime city and you're trying to solve mysteries on the map based on like, you know, 
uh, different cases that come in a, a, a small deck of cards, let's say. Mm-hmm. I got that one for Sarah for Christmas. Nice, uh, yeah. Not the original. I think it's the second version. Is that Full House? Is that the one? Or is it... <sighs> what, uh, what are the... What are yeah, they? I know there's Full House, there's the original, and then there's... I forget the other one. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> so now which one it is. Maybe the other one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably the other one, but... um. Yeah, she's she's super excited to play it. Yeah, she really likes that one. It's a great one. It's like adult Where's Waldo. That's what it is, right? And it's just it's just fun to the point where like sometimes the themes are very adult because well, often the crimes are mm-hmm. a murder or something, right? Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes you you there's you know um, let's say a cartoon nudity. It's you know is a good way. So like. But the game does a good way of like when you first pick a case, it'll show you the appropriate appropriateness because that's a word level yeah. of the case. So like if you want to play with kids, you totally could, uh, and you pick a, a a crime that is more appropriate for like okay, let's let's go for the vigilante one that looks like Batman. Let's do this this case or something, right? Right, right. Um, who's not murdering people? He's just you know <laughs> knocking people out or whatever, right? So you could do something like that. So that's that's a fun one. Uh, yeah, we 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 played a bit of uh, Taco Ga- uh, Cat Goat Cheese Pizza on the flip side because that's the one we own. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what what else here? I, I brought. I told Sarah about that one, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And if it's if it's flipped over, you gotta you know smack it with your hand flipped over. And she was like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know how you you get your brain trained to. You know, slap it this way or slap it that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. I enjoy that. Again, I'm not a big party game person, but there's certain games that come out that I'm like, yeah, I can, I can dig this. You know, that's the, uh, you know, the, the kids enjoy too. So, um, let's see, uh, Dra- Dragon Realm. Uh, this one is one of the, uh, the same guys that do, um, Game Right. Game Right is the uh, the publisher on these. So the same one that do like Sushi Go and uh, Sleeping Queens and all those ones we've talked about before. Yeah, you've mentioned uh, this one too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's a decent one. I brought this one to work and played it with my coworker again. Uh, she was helping me bump up the plays basically at lunch. <laughs> uh, and she was lukewarm on this one, uh, which I was surprised at because I, I feel like that's a pretty de- – it's like – kids version of a hobby board game because like you're starting to get into to like a good jump on space if you're trying to get kids into like more hobby board games uh which i view her more as like a kid because her you know level of board game play is is not up to our (laughs) standards right Uh, but uh but yeah so we played that one that's a great one uh again uh, you, so basically you have these three locations in the center of the board and you're trying to earn the location ca- cards by placing your meeples at these locations. And the way you do these is by playing cards from your hand uh, that either you take the action to sneak or storm or I forget the other one is something else. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, one of them, the sneak is like playing a run of cards. The storm is playing a bunch of diff- uh, the same color card. And it, so it's very similar to like, thematically well not thematically but um mechanically to battle battle line where you're playing those kind of runs of cards uh and then if you reach specific numbers on the on the location card 
then you're able to, you know, play a meeple at that card. If you have the majority of meeples there, you win that card, right? And it's basically whoever has the most coins at the end of the game. Each of these coins, when you each of these locations, when you win them, give you a coin value. Uh, and they also give you these dragon stones, which ends up being the tiebreaker. Now, we played this game and it was neat because we both ended up with the same amount of coins. Uh, but then the tiebreaker came down to these dragon stones and I ended up taking the win based on the tiebreaker condition, which I always enjoy playing a game that it's so tight that you end up on a tiebreaker condition and yeah. then figuring that out. Like, and I, and I always think about that time we played um, uh, Dice Throne. Uh, with with uh, you know Miles Morales and Scarlet Witch, and we both knocked each other out on the on this you know at the last turn. Kind of yeah, thing, right? that was pretty crazy. Such a neat. Uh, it's nice to kind of end in that in that situation. Um, I we had a Christmas party at work, uh, so I was in charge of one of the games that we played. Uh, so we played uh, we played two games. One, one of the guys at work was uh in charge of the other and i was in charge of this uh werewolf is essentially what i got uh played at the office uh but i always do a spin on werewolf where i change the theme instead of werewolves we are north pole elves and krampus south pole elves and so the krampus elves are um trying to infiltrate the north pole and you know kill santa and then you know put Krampus as the, the we I said they would uh, start Deathmas instead of Christmas, right? So that was the whole theme going in. Uh, so we had a I think it was thirteen players, and then I moderated, so it was the fourteenth. Uh, we had a good time. I printed off pictures of elves from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, like the old was it sixties claymation kind of movie, right? Yeah, the classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, then I, I gave specific roles to like Hermie in that movie is the elf that wants to be the dentist. Right. So he, in the, in the game, I converted him to, uh, I had the picture of Hermie and I made him the Cupid role in werewolf, which basically the only special role that, uh, Cupid has is to choose two people out of the group secretly uh and those become lovers so they know that they're lovers and then their new goal instead of killing the werewolves or or living to the end is to keep each other alive and if one of them dies they both die basically huh. right so that's all cupid does is just selects two people they can choose himself if they want um but you know it adds another kind of like monkey wrench to the typical werewolf uh I, and i guess if you don't know what werewolf is uh, it's a it's a party game where you play with a large group of uh, people. Uh, usually, let's say it's let's say ten people, two of which are going to be secretly be werewolves, uh, and the other eight will be townsfolk. Uh, and then it's played over a night phase where the were werewolves choose a victim to to kill, uh, and then then you have a day phase where all the survivors, including the werewolves, because no one knows who's a werewolf, uh, chooses somebody that they're going to eliminate uh so that you know they're basically trying to guess who the werewolves are uh and if the townspeople are able to kill the werewolves before the werewolves kill all the townspeople during the night phases then the townspeople win otherwise the werewolves won right if they succeed in living to the end of the game so you know we did this with a with a, a santa theme to it uh then i had yukon cornelius who is the prospector in uh in uh Rudolph the Red Those Reindeer. 
Uh, I made him the hunter role, which basically means when Yukon died, he gets to choose one person at you know across the board, and they die as well. So he's basically, you know, gets to take someone out as well. Uh, so that was you know again to throw in a monkey wrench to it, and I th- think that was it for unique roles in there. The rest, oh yeah, I also had the sheriff, uh, and for this I printed off a picture of the elf foreman. Which is basically, I don't even think he has a name in the Rudolph movie. He's just literally, like, if you look on the wiki page, he's just called Elf Foreman. He's just the boss <laughs> guy, the one that yells at Hermie all the time, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I made him the, and that one was basically, it's an elected role that everybody around the table gets to ch- decide who, who's going to be the sheriff, in this case, the Elf Foreman. Uh, and then their vote counts as two. So it ended up one of the uh, werewolf players was like, I want to be the sheriff. I want to be the elf foreman and put their hand up right away. And everyone was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Because these are not gamers, so whatever. So he ended up getting it. And then he used it throughout the the game to, you know, help pick off more of the townsfolk. Uh, And it worked really well for him. He ended up being the, it was one townsfolk and him left at the end of the game. And because his vote was worth two, you know, he was able to, uh, (laughs) yeah, to, to, to win just based on that, right? Right. So... No, it was wow. a it was a it was a fun game. Um, I don't care much for a werewolf, but we'll talk about player elimination. Like, holy cow! Yeah, well, yeah, and that's and that's part of the reason I don't care much for it too. Uh, a, it's a party game, and B, you you know that first first you have a night phase. Okay, the werewolves choose one player to 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 kill. Right. So out of the thirteen people that are playing. 12 make it to the actual first round of the game and the 13 player is out, right? They got to watch everybody play. And then, you know, that first round of the game, somebody else is going out. So now you got 11 people that are making it to not even to round two, because then you have another night phase. So 10 people make it to round two. You got three people eliminated in the first, you know, two minutes of the game, maybe, right? Uh, And then, you know, it took us probably... 20 30 minutes because you get the deliberation going during some of the uh you know who are we going to get rid of so yeah they, yeah they were out right away right so that's that's kind of a lame thing with with this type style of game right yeah the other one we played was uh and i didn't record this in my plays because i was like i'm not i'm playing hobby games to record i'm not playing these you know so the other <laughs> one was uh it was a chalkboard game so basically <laughs> Uh, the other guy that was uh, co-running with me, he would put up a word and it would be like ginger blank, right? And then you had to write on your chalkboard what the blank could be. Right. Uh, And if you matched one other person, you'd get three points. If you matched more than, you know, one other person, say like four people got the same thing, you'd only get one point. And if no one matched you, you get zero points. So you're trying to make like a word that's, not too obvious because then you're only going to get one point, uh, but then just obscure enough that somebody else is going to get it and not too obscure that nobody mm. else gets it. It's like Dixit scoring. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no interest in this game. So I just wrote uh, Krampus for every single uh, answer. And one of the other people around the table, a few of them actually picked up on this uh, at different times. So when they weren't sure what to write, they just write Krampus. <laughs> uh, and we'd be the only two so I ended up winning that game and everybody was so frustrated 
ended up getting like 15 points. Um, That's hilarious. So I broke the game, especially <laughs> what I did. And everyone was so mad when we were like, okay, what's the final scores? Okay, well, Thomas wins. And it was like, no, 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 he doesn't count. And they're like yelling. So I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm glad I caused this. <laughs> it was totally, uh, totally cheating. People knew I was going to write Krampus, so then they wrote it. And then, you know, I scored all these. cheating, things. though? I mean, it, it, like. It's strategy. <laughs> Like I'm it's bringing... a scumbag strategy, but it's, it's, it's not against the rules. Exactly right. So, yeah, I think I ended up with like 15 points, and then the closest to me was I don't know, maybe like 10, maybe 11 or something like that. So yeah, I was by far the the biggest winner. Oh man! And then second place was. Um, one of the other people that started doing the same thing I was doing with Krampus. Uh, so so we, <laughs> we took first and second position to, you know, the annoyance of everybody else. Uh, but hey, you know, we're going to play party games. I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of it. Oh, There's no amazing. prizes. So unfortunately, <laughs> well, that was, that was really the, uh, the games I, I played as far as work. The other thing, I'll go a little more detail in um, is I got Lost Runes Varnak uh, back to the table. And this is one I wanted to talk about on the show is because, so like I said earlier in the episode, uh, you've got me the latest expansion for it. Uh, and so I've started the campaign in that. So this campaign, I, I, it's very interesting. Uh, and and I think this is kind of important for our listeners if you're looking at this and going, okay, there's there's a free version of the campaign called um, the Search for Professor Coutel, uh, and it's 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 free on the CGE website, still free there. And then they took this missing expedition and sort of took the same campaign, but like updated it with its own kind of components and and uh, and stuff. And and you might say, okay, why would I? Why would I pay for an expansion that includes, you know, a free expansion? And, and one of the things I want to comment on is they've done so much to, like, make this feel similar, similar story to the, to the original one, but make it feel like its own thing that I would 100 recommend, like, 100% recommend uh, this expansion. Uh, like, it... <laughs> For the expansion for like the leaders expansion for this game, which again you, you gave me as well, was amazing. This one too, amazing. I love the expansions what they add to these games. Nice. Like they're, they're just yeah, they do, they do such a good job. I'm playing through the 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 campaign. It's wonderful. I'm enjoying it. It's neat because I also have the uh, leaders um, expansion. So I'm bringing the leaders into this one. Uh, which adds like another aspect of things that I didn't have when I played the original free version, right? Right. And it just adds really, it, it's really neat because it specifically the the campaign is set up that you don't have to use the same character. So I feel like I'm this controlling this archaeological team uh, that's going out. Like I have the captain, and I have, and I'm and I'm choosing based on the different, uh, you know. Uh, chapter i'm going into for the campaign which leader i'm going to bring that's going to lead this part of the expedition right 
And I really get that thematic feel of this. Okay, I know there's going to be a lot of guardians in this next chapter. I'm going to use the falconer, right? I know there's going to be, I need to get a lot of resources. So I'm going to use the explorer in this one, right? So like I've been doing that and I've done the best I've ever done with these leaders playing it this way, right? Because you have these mixed sort of goals rather than just the main aspect of the game, right? Uh, which I think is really neat. Now, I did get both of the new uh, leaders that come into this expansion. There's the mechanic and there's the journalist. I like completely got destroyed with the journalist. Like not even <laughs> like close. This one I'm going to have to give to you to play so you can show me how to do this properly. <laughs> because I got like the worst game I've ever played. Like I scored in the 30s when typically I'm like 60 to 80s. Um, I think the best play so far I've got is like 90 something in the campaign or whatever, right? So like to score in the 30 points, like I completely ate it with this, with the journalist, right? Huh. Uh, but the mechanic, she's by far my favorite character uh, of all the leaders. It's just, Sweet. she, yeah, she has the funnest, funnest, most fun, uh, uh, you know, basically ability. She gets this gear. It, first off, she gets this gear where you can, uh, you basically have these tokens that you place on the gear to upgrade the gear so that when you turn the gear, you get resources or, or, uh, symbols for, for movement or whatever the case may be. Uh, but the, it's all, every time you turn the gear, it's always a free action. You have to have the card to play it, but they're all free action cards. So like her entire deck that starts with is essentially free actions. And it just, it's such a neat feeling to be like, okay, I do this, turn the gear, grab this, play this card, turn the gear, grab this, do this, do this, do this. You're doing a bunch of stuff on your turn. And I love that feeling, even though you're not taking a full turn, you're just taking the actions, right? But you're getting enough stuff that you can combo those free actions to do a really good big turn right and i really dig it and then she, the other thing she gets is that she gets a third um assistant which happens to be her monkey assistant uh which is really neat because like you're the monkey's ability is basically uh you tap the monkey so you turn it sideways so say so you've used it for that round right. and you get to turn the gear right so you know everything is pointing at this these you know using that gear to your your best ability right and i've played with her i think three times now it's two games that were just um like regular plays and then one game during the campaign because i'm trying not to during the campaign i'm trying to only use each of the leaders once okay uh just so and i'm trying to use them at the the proper time but oh my goodness is it yeah, just breathe more life into this game that didn't really need more life because it's already a great, <laughs> great game, right? Yeah, like yeah. I had brought it out prior to getting the the new expansion from you, and I played through like four or five games, and then I put it back on the shelf. And you know, the next week I was at your place and we exchanged gifts, and you got me. And I was like, I'm pulling it back out. <laughs> so I got home and I pulled it back out, right? So. And I've played another, like, I don't know, probably seven, eight times of this uh, so far. So we'll talk about our plays uh, for the year. Yeah. Uh, this one has, like, skyrocketed up the list because I've got so many plays just in the last, like, few weeks, right? Nice. Um, that's been great. Yeah. So I have monopolized the uh, the mic for, what, 40 <laughs> minutes? <laughs> 
Louis um, Jordan, what have you been playing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't played a ton of games, um, but they're you know some that I want to do want to talk about. Uh, so going back very early December, I actually played Ticket to Ride with the family. Not our typical Ticket to Ride. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> geez, I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> yeah. So we, we played Ticket to Ride. Uh, this was actually, you know, an early in my collection game um, that I got as a as a birthday present, I believe, from my in-laws and then played it once at my in-laws and then never played it again. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I, I remember seeing this game and going, Oh, that doesn't look fun. <laughs> and then playing the game and went, Oh, it's a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but I thought it'd be a good one to break out with the family. And yeah, we all had a really good time. So uh, there are <clears throat> many different versions this is the original version, which covers uh, Canada and the United States. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you basically pull these objective cards and it says you have to make a route between this city and that city. And there are these routes on the boards and the routes have a variable number of spaces between the cities. And then you have to collect these little train pieces via cards uh, that uh, you have to get the same number of as those spaces between the cities in various colors to to make these routes. So uh, one route might stretch between two cities and it might be five pink trains. And so you have to collect five pink cards uh, and then lay them all down at one time. And then you can put your trains down along that route. Or another one might be, you know, two reds or three yellows. Uh, and then there's some of the routes are gray, which means you can do any color as long as, again, they're, they all have to be the same color. So it's basically that uh, on your turn, you're either collecting cards or you're laying down the cards to, to lay down your route. And you're trying to get your perfect route but so is everybody else and so some people might you know cut cut you off or whatever there was one uh i actually got a route from uh vancouver to montreal which was worth a lot of points because it's a long way to go and there's really like there aren't too many alternate routes <laughs> uh and i i nailed down like some of the larger ones but i was like if i don't get these smaller connecting ones i'm gonna be in trouble so i actually had just kind of as happenstance had one of the like there's there's one alternate route that comes down and it's like two or three and then the other one's like three and i went the one way just kind of claim this alternate thing. And then my daughter's like, well, I'm going to block you and, and, you know, block to the other way. And I'm like, that's perfect because I didn't want, this was my alternate, right? <laughs> I'm like, I kind of manipulated them into trying to block me here instead of the proper way. 
And then at the end too, like if you can make one big connecting route with all of your trains and if you've got the largest one you get extra points like the longest road in in Catan or something like that uh which i ended up nailing that too so <laughs> i took very few objective cards and just managed to complete them all and got the like longest route by far um and i ended up with 126 points oh jeez uh <laughs> And my son was second at 58 points. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And then uh, my wife was 51. My daughter was 48. So they were pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, well, we're just not going to worry about Jordan. Like, daddy's score is like, <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We're competing against each other. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a decent it's a decent light lighter fair game. Um, but definitely I, in that Euro hobby game space that uh but more like a family game, right? I, yeah, I, I love that one at a, as a, a family game because it's easier for kids to pick up. Like you said, your son was second place there, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's impressive, right? Like I, I I've told the story before where Elizabeth beat me at Sushi Go, right? It's a family style game, right? So those are that games like that where okay yeah they didn't have a chance in this this case right you play them right but yeah they're 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 great family hobby games right I think yeah. it fits a, I put it yeah we we you know um, rag on Catan sometimes or whatever right but I feel like these are in the same kind of space where you could get family members that don't typically play but are kind of interested in board games into these games and it's. Uh, you know, they're, they're fun to play. It's not like they're bad game designs, even though they're like early, early hobby game designs, yeah. they still hold up today. Like you can be like, this was well-designed, especially for the period of time that it came out. Uh, so yeah, ticket, ticket to rides, uh, great like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, really, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're just coming out with a, a new legacy, like ticket yeah, to ride legacy yeah. game. Yeah. I've seen that recently too. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know that that'd be like my type of fair that like I'd be bringing, Hey Jordan, let's play this, uh, this game together. But yeah, for family. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you're saying sure. like, it still holds up today. Yeah. They're still making like new yeah. content for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like how this one has, uh, you know, so, like the, the Canada roots too. Cause like when you said Vancouver to Montreal, it was like, Oh yeah, that is a, that's a far way. Right. That's a big track. Yeah. And I'm just thinking Physically, the distance between those two cities, right? Uh, and which which is neat because you know, oftentimes a lot of these games are are, are done in uh, a lot of rail games, especially are done in the U.S. Right? Mm -hmm. Because you've got a large cross section of a country that's very you know let's say wide. Uh, so go, going from the the uh, you know west to east of the U.S. is a big is a big distance, right? Uh, but a lot of those. I couldn't tell you. My, I, I'm terrible at geography. I even Canadian geography. I'm typically not good at either, right? Uh, but Vancouver, okay, that's a main city, and and Montreal. I've been to Montreal, right? So yeah. you know that's an easy uh, thing for me to picture. Whereas if we were talking about the U.S. and you said something like Washington D.C. to you know Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, okay, <laughs> I know that one because I've done that route. But you know something like that, <laughs> giving those routes, I would be like, I I don't know. That doesn't mean anything to me, right? Uh, cause I don't know the U S geography 
as well as I should know the Canadian, but you know, even that, you know, but I dig that there's that Canadian portion of that. So, you know, I feel represented in, yes. the, <laughs> in the gaming space, right? You'll notice I was like, oh yeah, this alternate route. Uh, <laughs> one was like two and one was three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know where it was, but uh, like what cities it went to. Right. But yeah. 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 When we, Absolutely. when we, our last vacation, we went to uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, the kids made fun of me. Actually, my wife started it uh, and got the kids on because, you know, I referred to a city that's actually a state. And you, they were like, you mean the state? Right? And I was like, I can't remember what it was. And I was like, yes, I do. Thank you very much. But I don't know. Are we in a state? Are we in the city? What's Buffalo? Is it a, is it a state? Is it a, I don't know. Come on. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so yeah that was ticket to ride and then uh we played mandala yeah 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 so this was at one of our you know weekly game nights but probably just talk about it here sure uh yeah. i i mentioned this one what a year ago because we got it for christmas um but you you have this cloth mat and it's basically got two circles in it, which are bisected by this rectangular area. And you have cards that are just colors. Uh, and there's six different colors. And you are playing these cards to these circular areas. And what, you, what you're trying to do is you can't put the same color in different areas of the same mandala. So, but you're you're scoring the cards that are in the middle in that rectangular area of each mandala but who gets to score those is based on who has the most cards in their sort of semicircle area of the mandala so you're playing cards to the middle you're playing cards to your own side so you're trying to win the right to score the cards that are in the middle and then when you collect those cards you put them down in what what's called your cup uh or no sorry in your river and then um when you first collect a card you put it in the leftmost space of your river and the leftmost space uh that cards of that color are now going to be worth one point each and then the next space in your river cards of that color are going to be worth two points each and so on and we've talked about how you love this scoring mechanic uh, and it's a lot like uh, above and below yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, with your resources, right? So you want to collect obviously lots of cards of the colors that end up being, you know, worth the most points. And it's just balancing that, trying to win those colors. Um, but the colors that you get the most of in your hand, you're probably using to try and earn the right to 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 score those, right? So it's it's a lot of um, just back and forth you know, probabilities and risk and what's my partner going to do and what color do I play now? And uh, it's it's a neat little um, mind puzzle to to sort out. And this one's neat because I feel like the more you play that, the more you'd pick up on like little tricks to do. Uh, Because, yeah, like during our game, like at the end of it, I'm like, all right, I have 31 cards in my one spot because I'm just brilliant like that, right? <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm being facetious. It wasn't that many, but like it was all, there was a, I had 
the most cards. I think something like nine cards in there. Whereas, like, if I had played this properly, I could have nine cards in the fifth position or something, right? Something that would actually earn me points. Right. Um, but yeah, there's all these like little things that like, okay, if I play this here, then I can close this down or whatever, right? But it was it was really I, I dug it. I thought it was like it was it was there was a cool it was a cool puzzle for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely that puzzle aspect to this game, where to play it, when to play it, how many cards to play, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, right? So yeah, I, it, this was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's just a two player only. You know, abstract game, which uh yeah, it was fun. So yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, I played this sure. with my daughter before. Uh she picked up on it fairly quickly. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a recommend for me. And then I played played Operation with my son. Because <laughs> okay, he was yeah. dying to play Operation with me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, I don't know if you remember playing Operation. Uh, <laughs> he, he like, he was like, "Oh yeah, that was so hard and whatever." And I'm just like, "This is the easiest thing I've ever done." <laughs> like, as an adult, not difficult yeah, to yeah. get the pieces out. <laughs> we don't have those uh, random like hand spasms kind of thing, right? <laughs> so as you do as a kid, <laughs> right? So I remember yeah, as a kid being it being, you know, challenging, right? right. But like now you could like, okay, I take this out, this out, this out, this. I didn't, re- you know, I didn't touch it once and I removed everything. Right. right. So yep. yeah, I, I don't remember specific rules on it. Uh, like how many, you just, you probably just take one bow or one item at a time out, right? Is that how you take your turn? You touch, if you touch a side, then you lose your turn or whatever. That's how we played it. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I don't think the rules are super. It's, yeah, you could <laughs> to that like we to that point we played. Um, what's that one where you put all the pieces? You're trying to put the pieces in before it pops up. Oh, I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's with C or so. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Those 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 lighter kind of. Right, my son got that as a as a gift, and I saw okay, I. I Start it up, put the 60 seconds in there, turn it all in. And I'm like, bah, 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 bah. I fill it all out. Still have like five <laughs> seconds left. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this one being really hard. Right. right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's fun. Things as, uh, yeah, when you play as a child, not not exactly the same as an, you know, as an adult. Uh, then we got Sagrada to the table again. Nice. Um, but interestingly enough now it was it was me my son and my wife and my daughter didn't want to play so it was like like, there's just been this switch between like now now my daughter's like she's too cool to play games with her her parents right and my son's starting to actually play and pick things up which is nice yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've been playing a lot on our phone like i have it on my phone yeah yeah yeah. and uh yeah we've been if we're like waiting in line or something like that, I'll break it out. I'll be like, Hey buddy, you want to play Sagrada? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so, and then lastly, uh, my wife and I on Christmas day played a couple games of Lacuna. Nice. Yeah. 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 So, um, this game is so chill. I love it. Uh, 
basically it's it's made to what what they say in the instructions or whatever the story of the game it's meant to look like flower petals on a pond at night sure. right so you've got this square mat uh it's like a cloth mat again uh with a circle in it and the components are these little wooden flower discs or little wooden discs that are meant to look like flowers right uh there's seven different colors and there's seven flowers of each color when you set up the game you put the mat out and then the whole container is like a cylinder and it's got the the lid has a little opening in it and you shake the components out like a salt shaker away no and so the flowers like you know get distributed onto the the board as you shake them out and then you know if some go off to the side or whatever we just kind of flick them back in to the play area um and so you things are random but you want to make sure they're like you know well distributed and then each player has six little metal pawns components in this game are just incredible these uh little pawns are like these good weighted metal you know bits that and you you need that because what you're doing in this game is there are two phases first phase is you're going to put your pawns out in between two flowers of the same color okay interesting and if there's like if there's a, a flower in between or somebody else's pawn that's breaking the a line between the middle of the, the flowers, like you can't collect those. So you have to find flowers that have open space between them, same color. You put your pawn, you pick up those flowers. Right. So uh, each player goes back and forth, taking turns doing this. Once they've placed all six of their pawns half of the flowers will have been collected right and then so for phase two you go uh each flower petal who has the closest pawn to it and then they win that flower oh and then so it's whoever collects the majority of flowers in that color scores one point and then whoever scores the most points. So, you know, if you score four flowers of four different colors, you've won the game. Right, right, right. Um, such a neat little puzzle, like so simple, right? Yeah. Um, I so we played the first game. I I won not by a ton. Uh, yeah, like I won four of the colors. Sarah won three of the colors. Um, and then, but the, so the, so the second game, I was like, okay, during the first phase, I'm just going to make sure I get like the points for, for the colors, right? I scored. So I got four of three different colors. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I knew I had my three points, but as I was placing down my last pawn, I was looking and I was like, I lost the game <laughs> because I'm like, Wherever I put these, I'm like, you know, she's going to win those on the them being closest to her pawn. That's going to get her the most for that color. She's going to win these ones. She's going to win those ones. So 
like you can't just focus on the first phase like you really have to plan out okay i'm gonna place this pawn here to grab these two flowers but that's setting me up to be closest to these ones right and but then what's your opponent gonna do they could sneak in there and get and it closer sudden, yeah, right take one of those flowers from you because they might yeah that's interesting yeah wow yeah that's neat i'd like that i and dig it's, that it's just chill and relaxing but if you really want to like think it out and play it strategically there's a lot of depth to it mm -hmm. i really like the uh the salt shaker aspect to it as well that seems because like how many times like oh, i got two okay so we've done this a number of times and we do this all the time like okay we gotta randomize some sort of piece or whatever we put them in our hands and we do the whole shake <laughs> thing and whatever ones pop out yeah. that's the order in which we do it right i do it in trajan all the time trying to like when you're setting up your rondelle okay which two colors are coming out so i do it there i do it in near and far with the um you know, placing the different uh, quest tokens on the map. Okay, I got to put four tokens on this map. Where are they going to go? I'm going to shake and wherever they land on the board, the closest city I'm going to put, you know, so those kind of randomization things. Yeah. Uh, but having that built into the actual, like, packaging of the game, like, that's brilliant, right? Because that just takes all that, you know, hand movement, whatever, <laughs> out of it. Yeah. That's always you know, silly looking too. Here we go. I'm going to try and randomize by shaking this stuff in my hand and only opening the bottom of my hands a little bit. Oh, it popped out the top of my hand. That's okay. We, we needed that one or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's cool. That's neat. I dig that. So yeah, that was, that was everything. Um, you know, a couple of new games to talk about, which is nice, but, uh, overall, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I also played, uh, some more Voidfall. Uh, solo oh, so nice we yeah will talk about that later yeah fantastic game but yeah 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 we'll save that yeah yeah all right do you want to do you want to talk about uh so as the listeners know we uh re record all our uh, uh board game uh plays in an app called uh, what is it even called it's just called like Board game stats. Yeah, yeah, board game stats. Yeah. Uh, but every year they they uh, they come out with a um, you know your year in review of everything, and they list your most plays. You want to go over that now and kind of absolutely. Tell Let's do it. All right. So <clears throat> I kind of opened up everything here. So I went down the list. Typically, it only shows the first you know your top five games that you played this year, right? So I opened up everything. I'm not going to talk through everything, obviously. Uh, I just want to like highlight some of the stuff, but then let's go from five to one to kind of, uh, you know, build that crescendo, even though my number one played game this year, a little disappointed it was my number one game, but we'll get into that. Right? <laughs> so at number five, we had uh, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion with 15 plays this year, uh, which impressive for great. such a long yeah. game. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. Yeah. We'll, I'll, I'll get into a bit. I'll go to the top five. Uh, uh, for play hours, uh, which this one will be higher. But so fifth position, this this actually dropped four positions from last year. Uh, my number four game is a micro macro crime city uh, nice. with 18, 18 plays this year. Uh, so this was a new one on the list. So there's uh, it just, you know, there was no movement because it was new. Lost Runes of Arnak is in my third position, uh, which is the same position it was in last year with 21 plays. 
Uh, like like I said earlier, we still got like three days of the year, so that one should increase a bit, uh, but not enough mm-hmm. to to beat out uh, number two, uh, which is Welcome to the Moon uh, with 30 plays. Uh, so I got that to the table quite a few times. Uh, that one was a new game this year, too. Uh, so, no. And then number one position, also with 30 plays, but slightly longer time period, um, was Under Falling Skies. Uh, so <laughs> again, a little disappointed. That's my number one game play this year. I mean, like I, I, I did play it quite a bit, so it should be there. Right. Uh, it's just, right, uh, right. you know, then I don't enjoy it as much as some of the other ones on this, you know, top five played, played list here, let's say, but it's not my favorite games. This list isn't that it's just what I played most. Right. So yep. 30 plays under falling skies, new game this year. So, uh, didn't, didn't move. And you talked uh, about why that was the most played. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Listen to some of, uh, our earlier episodes this season, I believe, uh, um, yeah, other last episode of the one before, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I'll quickly go through some of the other ones that were, uh, you know, six position down. Uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, specifically what they are, but, you know, Lord of the Rings journeys, journeys into Middle Earth, that drop dropped five spaces. Scythe jumped up eight spaces because we played the campaign with it. And, yep. and, and so that was, unfortunately, Hadrian's Wall, even though I got, you know, eight plays in this year, that dropped 11 positions because I think that was in... You know, either the top top two, one of the top two, because mm. I'm pretty sure it was Gloomhaven, Hadrian's Wall, and then Lost Ruins last year. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, now or Never increased 20, 20 spots. Uh, so so plays wise, I, I played it five times this year, but you know that's twenty spots from where it was last year. Trajan increased one spot from last year. Near and Far increased fifteen. Uh, Bonanza one spot uh, up. Uh, I could tell you the, the positions, but it's not it's not worth it. Uh, Godfather Corleone's Empire uh, jumped up 12 spots. I actually got to play that. I didn't talk about this in the plays, but I played this solo. I found a variant online and played it solo. Highly do not recommend. <laughs> Don't play this game solo. You have to play it with other people. It ruined it. It was like the worst oh, experience. No. Yeah, it, it was not fun at one. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Warhammer Underworlds. Down 17 spots. So yeah. big drop in that one. Small World Underground up eight spots. Cargo Noir, which I picked up last year, up seven. Uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms up 14. Now it's up 14 positions. I played it twice this year. So it's not like I was playing that a whole lot. It just happened to be because we play different games every week. Yep. You know, playing something twice. Wow, that you must love this game, right? Yeah. Uh, Color Brain, Disney Edition, down 13 spots. Zombie Dice, down 16 spots. Warhammer 40k, 9th edition, down 40 spots. So that's a huge <laughs> loser this year for sure. Uh, Fury of Dracula, down 25. Lords of Water Deep, down 8. Dice Throne Adventures, down 26 spots. Uh, Kingdoms, which is a Rhino Kinetia game, down five. Raiders of the North Sea, down 53 spots. We played it only once this year mm. uh, versus, you know, maybe last year we played it when you bought it. We played it when when uh, at uh, Breakout Con, you know, yeah. so, so a few of these things, we probably played that one twice now, only playing it once this year. Dropped 53 spots. Rolling, Rolling Realms, down 33. 
Castle Panic down 21. Legends of Andor down 79. So huge drop on that one as well. Uh, Survive Escape from Atlantis down 60. Libertalia down 41. Uh, Marvel Remix down down 82. And that's the final one on the list there. Uh, So quite a few drops. And like I said, a lot of these is because we play games one time. So if we've played them multiple times in last year, then they would have been higher in the list. But, you know... I don't know where you're seeing this like spot changes, but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the little arrows beside the pictures, basically. So they're under a green arrow if they've increased, blue arrows that are like up and down arrow if they stay the same, or red downwards arrows if they've gone down. This must be part of the like Challengers expansion or something because I I don't have this. No, it doesn't show you that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean. I've got this list, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all it shows you no, when you click yeah. on it? Oh, that's weird. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, yeah, we're, we're, it's an audio podcast <laughs> and we're showing images. Mine comes out in like this purple border. And oh, okay. Like it's a full on. Is that an insights? Uh, it just pops up on the home screen and it says view and share your 2023 stats. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've only got a very like. That, so yeah, but if that's you hit it. the down arrows, if you hit the down arrows, you can look all your plays. So you oh. hit the down, down, down. I did that right before we started recording. Uh, now I, I'm going to let you speak in a second here. I just want to quickly go over the top five for hours played. And again, I've talked about it before. Hours played. This is usually I just kind of estimate. Oh yeah, I think I played about three hours. I think I played about two hours. Right. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak is number one at 45 hours. Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, number two at 29 hours. Anachrony at 27 hours. Under Falling Skies at 19 hours. And Lord of the Rings Journeys to the Middle Earth, uh, 19 hours around. So that rounds up the top five by time. That mm. one's a little more, I'd say, appropriate to games that I really enjoy, right? Right, um, yeah. But you know that's a that's a that's a estimated time frame. Uh, but you can see that that expansion for Lost Ruins has really upped my hours of played <laughs> gameplay. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so yeah, I've please. only played sixty three games this year. Oh ah. no, no. Well, sixty three games. I've got one hundred and twenty seven plays. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, but in the list here, sixty three different games i guess um so uh number five for me was sagrada uh and that uh is up uh up from last year or it doesn't say by how many oh sometimes if it's just if it's just a dash it's it's just because it's a newer game it's a new game Yeah. yeah so number five for me is sagrada at six plays and then wingspan also at six plays and number three is expeditions at seven plays hadrian's wall coming in at number two with eight plays and then number one for me was five at 10 plays and uh that's up one spot from last year and again Probably a lot to do with our campaign and then playing, you know, 
I, I did cheat a little bit because a couple of those plays were uh, on the on the digital version playing against the AI, which we don't normally count. Uh, but I wanted to get my place up a bit. It's my only dime. So I'll allow it. <laughs> that's a great list, though. Like, that's a great top five for sure. And then, yeah, other ones uh, going going down um, are Fort Arboretum, uh, Voidfall, actually, uh, Apiary, Quacks of Quedlinburg, uh, and Rolling Realms, and all of those. So Fort and Arboretum at four plays each, and then the other ones at three plays each. So these aren't like, yeah, a huge number of plays on these ones, right? It just shows like how many different games we do play when like one of the games that are list, listed high for high plays is like four plays or two plays or yes. something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I had Rolling Realms was up nine spots. <laughs> Warhammer was up nine spots for me somehow. Uh, I don't know how that works. I think I never used to record the Warhammer games, I think is what happened there. Yeah, but there's been a few times where like, you're like, you have much more plays than I. And I was like, I don't know how that is because right. we play together. Right? Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, Dice Throne is down 18 spots. Uh, Warhammer Underworld's down three spots. Uh, Spot It was, went up 16 spots at two plays. <laughs> now Amazing. or never went down nine spots at one play. Fury of Dracula went down 12 spots at one play. Uh, the Godfather went down 10 spots at one play. Uh, and Lost Runes of Arnak went down 28 spots at one play. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I like these lists. They're neat. Uh, cool information, right? Yeah. And then so my top five for playtime. Uh, Warhammer, ninth edition. <laughs> Uh, at 10 hours, Voidfall at 12 hours, Scythe at 14 hours, Hadrian's Wall at 15 hours, and then Expeditions at 16 hours played. Yeah, that's a solid list, to, uh, like as far as by hour goes, for sure. Yeah, not not nearly as many as you, but <laughs> yeah, total total time for 2023, uh, two, 212 hours played. Uh, that's that's a decent amount uh i'm not sure i want to share <laughs> my total time uh let let's see if i look at insights here we'll go uh <laughs> 2023 let's go by year trying to f oh yeah 411 hours approximately okay of game time yeah nice so, what's your h index h index which is neat so h index basically is uh if you've played games uh x x amount of games x x amount of times right so let's say uh, if you play one game one time your h index is one if you play two different games two times each your h index would be two right so my in h index this year is at nine nice how about yours five five yeah yeah, yeah. what about all time yeah. uh what, what what does that look like for you uh so all my 
all time H index is seven. (laughs) (laughs) I got 13 on that one. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, some of these, like, yeah, Hadrian's Wall, Lost Bruins Barnack, those type of ones are really helping bump that stuff up. Right. Yeah. Um, And this is, again, one of the reasons is like, why? Like, I, my collection shouldn't be so big because we just play games one time, you know, two times and that's it. But, um, but again, we want to play all the different games. So play all the games. That's exactly it. And, and when you can look at a list and be like, like when I'm saying, oh, this dropped down 36, you know, 71 positions. Cause I played it once this year and last year I played it twice. Like that's, <laughs> you know, I like how it takes into account, like, Okay, so my my top two games were uh, for played number of times played was Welcome to the Moon and um, uh, 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 Under Falling Skies, uh, but Under Falling Skies was listed higher as the first position because it goes by plays and then it secondary like listing is by hours played, right? So I you know if I played um, Welcome to the Moon one more time, yeah, it would have jumped to the top of the list, but because they were the same number. It goes by hours, right? So I, I dig that. So which is kind of neat for like those giant position jumps because you can, yeah, look at it and be like, okay, yeah, I only played it once this year. Last year I played it twice, but that last year was eight hours because it was a four-hour game, and this year it's four yeah. hours. So you've really, you know, <laughs> decreased rapidly. But yeah, you're right. Why do we need more games when we have a giant list of one play, one play, <laughs> one play, one play, one play in a year? Really? Yep. Yep. No. Uh, in fact, of the 63 different games, um, 30 of them I only played once. So almost half. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's so wild, right? And then a, a, a lot of those ones have like are like two plays. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's not till number 11. So number 11 was Rolling Realms as three plays. So in 63 games, I've only played 11 of them more than twice. Yeah, Yeah, and mine's similar, right? Yeah, those top fives when I was like, yeah, 30 plays and 30 plays and 21 plays. You know, that seems like a lot. But yeah, it doesn't take long before you get into the two plays, two plays, one play, one play, one play, one play. What? Yep. What I do find interesting, though, like if I'm looking at insights uh, for this year, uh, you know, plays 364 plays. We talked about that. I got to get one more game for that uh, 365. Uh, But yeah, I've played 101 different games. Uh, So that goes to show you how like how many of those games are. Well, I guess some of them are going to be multiple plays, but you're going to have a lot of one offs in there as well. So, yeah, 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 for sure. What about players? Uh, players actually this year was 56. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, again, a lot of this just got bolstered because I just did that 13 player game of werewolf. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, you know, uh, and, and I guess, you know, I think it counts any of the AI ones I put in there. So like lost runes of Arnak has the AI that they call Antoinette. So I've named a, a a bot Antoinette, right? right. Uh, versus Anachrony has the Chronobot and the Chronosis. So those 
there's three players I've played against when technically it's all a bot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you could consider that all one play. Does it count those? I think it does because then I have like, it says players 56 and then there's a dash and named and then the named is 37. So huh. I feel like there's a, yeah, maybe a disconnect there. Because any of the players that I've listed as bot, like, or not even just named bot, but like, you know, there's a little box you can tick that says that it's a, it's a bot. Um, and I don't see it in here, right? In this list. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder. Uh, yeah, if I tick it as that. Yeah, so 37 human players, it seems like, and then 56 with the bots. I think that's how it's explaining it here. Mm. Uh, because if I'm looking through the actual player list, I'm not seeing Antoinette. Uh, when I know I've played her quite a bit. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I've I've played against, well, 12 other people. Uh, it's listing 13 players here, but, but me being one of them. Um, number two is you. No surprise there. And then and then my wife, then my daughter, then my son. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, yeah, a few one-offs. Ah, my daughter's friend is in here marcus is in here yeah yep. one co-worker <laughs> <laughs> one game with one co-worker that was fort actually yeah actually my one of my co-workers is that uh you know number three position of played with right so i got actually 36 wow. games with her this year uh just because we started playing and yeah, yeah yeah uh and then another one is the is the uh, one, two, three, four, six position, right? With 10 plays. So another coworker there. Uh, so, you know, yeah, decent, decent amount of, uh, I, I guess, different people. I'm actually looking at the time and it, it breaks it out into days. And it's embarrassing to say that I've played 200 days worth of games this year. <laughs> so over half a year I've been gaming. Yeah. <laughs> 101 days for me. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. I like I like those little stats. Very interesting yeah. stuff. No, it was a good good year for gaming for for me for sure. Um, yeah, me too as well. Yeah. And next, I'm excited for next year too because we're planning we're planning on going back to Breakout Con this year. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll do we'll do an episode on that, uh, like we did for Tricon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh which yeah. I don't think we've been invited back to, by the way. <laughs> so there's that. Um yeah, no, could that's, be that that's we skipped sure. out on one of the days, but we may have done that. Yeah. Actually, I, I noticed when I was looking up Tricon this year that there was like a in bold if if you're you have to be here all three days kind of thing so it's like uh oh <laughs> i wonder if that's you know as a, I, I don't want to like we probably weren't the only person that people that didn't show up on the on the on the third day uh because i can't see them making a giant announcement like that for just just know, our little booth right yeah so, yeah but hey you know you never know wouldn't be the first time that <laughs> you know i've caused some sort of issue and and it's been policy <laughs> change <changed>. policy <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, oh, fun time. Oh, I'm looking forward man. to Breakout Con, though, for sure. And we'll get some more plays there. And yeah, it'll be a good good year of gaming. I'm not going for the 365 challenge next year. No. It was a little stressful this year, uh, getting those plays in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, next year we'll have some other challenges. So I'm thinking I got to play everything in my collection at least once this year. Uh, Ooh, that maybe, is a good maybe, challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just get rid of things that I don't play. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> See how I feel about it. You know, we'll start it and then I'll be like, well, this game doesn't really count because it's a three player only. So I'm going to take that out of the chat. Well, I'll change up the challenge during the year, but well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so now that we've uh, talked about all of the stats for the games that we've played, uh, what's why don't we do one of those, you know, end of the year lists that everybody loves to do? And, <laughs> uh, but we'll do, uh, you know, our top, you know, current plays that we featured yeah. on, on yeah, the yeah. show, right? I uh, dig that. Yeah. There's a lot of them. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm looking at the list. We had like 35, 35 uh, games that we talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over the show here. Now, th- yeah. Yeah, I guess these are all the one. These are all the ones we reviewed. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I see. Yeah, I'm on I'm, I'm same page. Same page. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the list. I'm going. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm down. Let's let's. Uh, you want to start us off then? So I have a very hard time ranking anything. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. It, it it it. I I often find it hard to be like I like that more than anything else. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But. Um, looking at the list, my sort of, without thinking about it too much, gut check, uh, list here, uh, would be, I think, see, and again, I'm looking at my list. I'm like, do I order it in any particular order? Um, I would say, okay, number five, Zolkin. The Mayan calendar. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Solid uh, game. Solid, solid game. Um number four would be anachrony. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh number three would be void fall. Sure. Yeah. 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 Which we'll talk about. Which we'll talk about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but immediately shot up like yeah. top of oh, my yeah, list, yeah. right? It's uh, like good. Number two would be expeditions. And then number one would be Scythe sure. to no yeah, one's yeah. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then at the same time, I'm like dice throne, man, you know, like dice throne, honorable mention there Inish, like a loved castles of Burgundy. So many great ones. We Taya to walk Yeah. 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 So many yeah. great ones. We, we checked out this year. We did. We 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 totally did. Yeah, I'm look. Yeah, this list is a lot of them are bangers. Like they're just. Yeah, it's hard. You're right. It's hard to rank some of these, right? I mean, the show is you know our favorite board games. So <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, looking at the list. Okay, so I. It, it's a, it's it's tough for me because yeah, like with you, okay, side. Yeah, that was going to be up there hi right for right. me lost ruins you know yeah. we, we you know that's I, yeah another one yeah, yeah lost ruins of arnak is one that i absolutely love 
I, I we talked about plays. That's one of my most played games this year, at the most for hours uh, wise of playtime. Right. So that one, yeah, clearly it's going to be the top top of the list. Um, I don't know if I would rank them so much as like, you know, top five. I'm going to cheat here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely some that like. I just enjoyed so much this year. So like, yes, Lost Ruins. That's one for sure. Um, if I, yeah, if I'm looking at Zolkin, yeah, another Anachrony. Those the great games, right? Uh, out of the trilogy above, above and below, near and far, and now or never, I I put near and far at the top of that one. Uh, I've mentioned that before. So that one, yeah, that's a great one too. Uh, I see a lot of games. The Alchemist is another one that I really enjoyed uh, playing. Uh, out of these ones too, the ones that I'd like really like to get back to the table as well. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a few in here. Raiders of uh, Scythe I've played a, a, a number of times, but the ones I'd like to get back to the table to play with you again, Apiary is definitely on that list. Like, we got to play that again. We played yeah. it the one time. I'd love to get that. Taya to walk in again. Yeah, I'd love to get it back to the table because I just, I enjoyed that so much. We talked about that last episode. And man, like what a what a fantastic game! Voidfall again, yeah, you, <laughs> on your list, hundred percent. I I like I need to play this again soon. Uh, other ones I look on here and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll play it again. But it, it, it was a good game, but you know, it doesn't. It's not at the top of the list. I, I look at like unfair. Yeah, that's yeah. one we talked about recently too. Fun game, but it's not a you know the top of my list to get played again, right? Uh, Pendulum 2, I flip-flop on that one. Sometimes I look at that and I go, I'd like to get that one to the table. But then I look at something like Voidfall and I'm like, uh, let's yeah, play yeah. that instead, right? Yeah. Um, Onk is another one mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to get back to the table and, and try that again. We've kind of slowed down on our Warhammer. Uh, yeah. So that that's kind of, you know, we got both 9th and 10th edition that's, on this uh, list. That's me. Yeah, but, you know, I haven't had the bug to really push that forward either, right? Uh, Narcos, I'd be, I'd, I'd like to try, but you're not big on the um, uh, hidden hidden movement sort of games, right? So, but yeah, yeah, such a, such a great list as far as, uh, you know, games is considered everything we've, we've done so far, like Castles of Burgundy. I'd love to play that with you again. I played a ton on the digital version. Yeah. Um, but that was just solo play, right? But that would be great to get. Ahoy, another one. Yeah, I'm, another I'm one saying we like, you know, 80% of these games on this list, but like <laughs> we played a lot of fun games this year. We 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 kind of we talked about a lot of good ones. Yeah, man. Paladins. So, yeah, Paladins. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I skipped over that one. I didn't even see it. But yeah, Paladins. I'd love to get that back to the table. Yeah. So like this entire list. Like there's some one okay, so I I'm gonna continue to play uh, Lost Ruins next year. Uh, it, it always comes up, and I start to and I and I play it, especially when you know uh, I get the new expansion, and then it's you know fresh again, right? So that one I will likely continue uh, keeping to play, right? Uh, and then some of these other ones, like I said, are just are just ones I'd love to get back to the table, uh, and, and I and I really hope we do get them to the table next year and and hopefully you know they make it to our other other play segment or or whatnot right um just as a way for us to 
uh, get some of the because of course we still have tons especially now with your christmas all yep. to get through uh and, and talk about and there's still some you know lovely gems we have in our collection that we'll have to you know go over as an episode uh moving forward but yeah man what a what a great list this past year of things that we've played and then and then talked about on the show right yeah solid list yeah man yep so now listeners you gotta go back and listen to everything again right one more time (laughs) bump those numbers up (laughs) (laughs) what when i when i you know, actually write the list down and look at it. Yeah. It's just like, wow, <laughs> these are all really good. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. And, and I didn't even like, to be honest, like looking at the list, there's so many good games that I just like everything. I, of course I would play again, uh, but there, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Like, like you said, I didn't realize how many things we've a talked about over the over the show as a as a review kind of thing a deep dive uh and then b like that all of these specific ones were on the list like especially if you go back earlier in the year right i forget what we played we have trouble sometimes talking about <laughs> the games we we played in the month right yep. so now go back six seven eight months oh yeah well you know lost ruins of arnak is on it inish is on here i don't even remember very little of that one right so that was a really good episode too by the way (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so you know champions of midgard's another one right like we played it once i'd love to yeah yeah, just i just yeah what a great list to look over and it's cool to kind of reflect on some of those and be like oh yeah this is uh these are some great games well here's hoping 2024 there it is. We get just as many great games. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mentioned them earlier, but you know, upcoming soon, Res Arcana, Iki, uh, Architects of the West Kingdoms, Viticulture, Seven Wonders, uh, Dorf Romantic, like uh, yeah. Dune Imperium. It, it's gonna be it, good. Yeah, that's a solid, solid like look forward to right now that. Man, next next year is, it will be a great. It's going to be a great uh, selection of games as well, and we'll have to revisit some of some of these we did this year too. Because, like you said, like just got to get them to the back on the table, right? Yeah, you know, it's one thing like like today's episode. We got two games that we're going to review. We're going to go over Libertalia, Gales of uh, Windcrest. Is that it? Yep. Yep. And uh, and Voidfall. Uh, so. You, you know, it's an episode with two, but we still have so much content, that, stuff to talk about that this episode still will be quite a large episode, right? So yeah, that gives me, you know, positive vibes, positive thoughts for, for next year when, okay, yeah, we only did two games, but we've done two games before, two new games before, and still filled out the podcast, right? So yeah, yeah. Because we're just, repeating games is what you mean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we'd be repeating on the weeks that we, uh, you know, didn't play something new, right? So Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, speaking of, let's talk about our first game uh, for this month, Libertalia, The Winds of Galecrest. Yeah, let's do it. 
And the first game on our list for today is Libertalia Winds of Galecrest. This is designed by Paolo Mori with art by Lamero Smith and published by Stonemeyer Games. So the Winds of Galecrest is a re-implementation of Libertalia, which was originally published by fill me in here, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my copy is Marabunta, which I've never heard of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that game uh, so s- extremely similar, mm-hmm. but if you looked at them, they look completely different. <laughs> Yeah, different artists as well. So artists on this, the original version was uh, Benjamin Carr and uh, Stefan Gatiez. Uh, so yeah, they they told it. They to to your point, they went with a totally different uh, art theme to it, right? Yeah. Uh, to connect, yeah, yeah. So, but please continue. Uh, so Winds of Gale, I should say Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest is a pirate-themed game. In this game, each player gets a hand of cards, and the cards are randomized, but then every player gets the same cards at the uh, at each round. Now, it will start to vary because you don't play all of your cards uh, in the round. So then round to round, it... Uh, you'll get these slight differences where, you know, some players are holding back cards and then, you know, some effects will bring cards back to your hand, etc. Um, but for the most part, the players have the same cards and they all have a value on them going from, I believe, one to 30 or one yeah, to that's 40, right. yeah, yeah. one to 30, one to 30. Yeah, yeah. And what you're doing is players are are going to uh, each turn, they they choose a card uh, to play, and then everyone reveals them simultaneously. Then you place them down on the board in order of those values, that one to 30 values. And then their effects are basically going to trigger in order. And there's three different phases. There's the day, the dusk, and the night. So you're going to go from left to right, activating all of the daytime abilities. Then at dusk, you're going to then go the opposite way from the right to the left, selecting uh, available loot for that trip. Uh, The daytime abilities can, you know, really mess with whatever happens down the line. And then likewise, all the loot also have their their own abilities. So you're trying to like that's the game on the table, but then the real game is happening <laughs> above the table where you're trying to figure out, okay, my opponent has the same cards as me. What's their what are they gonna play this turn? You know, what should I play this turn? Do I want to be before them in the the turn order or after them? And you know, if I use this effect versus that effect, and the, but then if I use this now, they can use this against me later. And like there's this whole 
mind game that goes on above the table. And then you, you know, you make your decision, you flip the cards and you go, Oh, I shouldn't have played this one. <laughs> Should have played the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, this this one's very I I really like that sort of mind game aspect. Since this game, like mechanically, it's very simple. Uh so like you said, you're 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 picking these cards out, and I think you draw something like nine cards at the start. So one player draws these nine cards uh from their randomized deck, and then the the other players pick those same nine cards and puts them in the hand, right? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they're all numbered. So the number is sort of like the rank of the pirate. So the higher the number, the higher the rank. So they moved sort of to like the front of the board as a pirate ship, basically, right? So they moved to the front of the pirate ship because they're, I guess, leading the pirate ship, right? Whereas the lower down ranks go to the back end of the, of the, the, uh, the pirate ship. But because... The day um, kind of powers go off in ascending order. Those lower ranked individuals get to activate their day powers first before the higher ranked people get to do it. Right. So that's where some of the like, do I do I try and play something early so I can get off this power first, or do I want to play something late? Right. And then the dusk phase happens. So after you go through and all the day. Uh, aspects or powers go off then you do the dusk and sometimes there's dusk powers as well they're more mm -hmm. rare they're not as as common as the day ones and and some of them off the top of my head i know there was like a um like a deck hand that uh that doesn't take a a treasure token or a loot token right right so right. and that's a dusk ability because typically during dusk you're going to select from i think it's players plus one loot so each time you're collecting loot, you're selecting one from the loot pile pile based on the highest rank going to the lowest rank. And of course, each of these uh, ranks are named as well. So like the top rank, I think the 30 card is is the governor or something. Right. And then like card 25 is the governor's daughter. And then there's, you know, up to there's like, you know, four more people. There's in those ranks between the, there's the captains and the yeah the deckhands and the parrots and the whatever the monkey whatever the case may be right so there's all the different <laughs> things uh so yeah so then in in rank order so moving down you're going to select these loot but not all the loot is good loot so there's right. a variety of different types of loot so you got uh, like treasure chests uh gems or uh, or lockets i think one of them was uh, uh well, whatever so there's there's the there's there's a chest like a treasure yeah. chest a barrel a relic oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's that's the bad one yeah yeah um because it's usually cursed uh the a hook a saber an amulet and a map yeah 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 which so, which is interesting because it's slightly different than the original um, okay so uh treasure cha chest there's gems there's barrels i think those are all the same so far there's the uh cursed tokens that's fine the maps a saber and then in the original is a uh an officer so uh, a i believe it's a S spanish officer as right? loot as loot Yes, <laughs> but it's bad loot because essentially what the Spanish, well, I don't know. That's that's a hard thing to say. 
uh, what the Spanish officers uh, does is it says in the in the rule books, you've been lucky enough to take a Spanish officer prisoner. But uh, he didn't surrender without a fight. Your character is discarded instead of being added to your den. Right. So it sounds like it's a negative thing, but maybe you have a character that, uh, you know, has a big bonus daytime bonus, but a negative effect if it's in your in your uh, you know, ship at the end of the uh, the the round or whatever, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah. you want to take something like that so that you get rid of that. I don't think there's much of that in the n- newer version uh, because there's no way really to get rid of your own pirates, but there's definitely ways uh, to get rid of your opponents. Well, we saw some of that in our game, right? I guess um, we did. The, yeah. The, the was it the gunner? Like right. You could you could kill off one of your opponent's characters uh, and you got something. But if you killed off one of your own characters, you got like money and reputation or something like that. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then the same thing, like you might want to get rid of that a character of your own because they have some negative effect that hasn't caused you harm yet. But will if you keep it around. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think there was one character that like. So when you when you lay them all out, they're uh, what, what do they call that in this in this version? Um, I feel I want to say den, but I don't know if that's correct. I like I feel like it's like when they come off, they're in your ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thematically, that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And then, but when they're all lined up, they're I don't know. I can't remember what the term is, but uh, uh, yeah, there was one character that was like, you know, you got a bonus if you had fewer than two characters or something in your like you like it was, you know, that character plus maybe one or two more characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he would give you a bonus. So you'd want to get him out early and then you lose out on the bonus, you know, later. But if you had a way to eliminate your own people you get that bonus more right so yeah yeah and then there's some cards too that like if you have it out and somebody else at the table has it out then they're worth negative points but if you're the only one then you get extra you know something like that so you know you might want to manipulate your board somehow by getting rid of some of your pirates right uh and i dig that and i think that's that's partly where some of the uh, mind games come in. And also, you know, just having those saber tokens. I really like the sabers because uh, essentially what the sabers did was you got to eliminate another player's uh, pirate on on the ship. Or was it on there in there? Yeah. I, I, I can't <laughs> quite remember. Yeah. But I feel like it was on the ship. So like before they got to activate uh for picking a treasure you could get rid of them right so it was right. one of those kind of like take that not only am i removing a pirate from going to your ship uh which was your own personal player board but i'm also stopping you from getting a treasure right or vice versa you might want to use that on something of yours because you don't want to collect a treasure because say there's only curse tokens in the loot pile right uh, in, in which case, yeah, you you gotta you gotta be finicky on on when you're going to play things. 
what what I also find neat with this one is uh, it helps to kind of like card count. So because you start off with the same cards, you can really pay attention to what your opponents are playing. It's easier with just two players, obviously. Uh, but you can pay attention and be like, okay, I know my opponent has played, you know, this card, this card, and this one. This So their highest must be X. So if I really need to win picking loot first, I'm going to pick, you know, the, the character that's above X, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you get some of that play. And then from round to round, if you're counting correctly, you can be like, okay, I know that they didn't play this card, this card, this card. So they have that in their hand. Plus, I know what we drew this round. So now I kind of know what's in their hand, what they might be trying to do, right? Um, and I find that 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 aspect very interesting too. After round three, like who knows, right? You know, the fourth, the fourth, you could do that like once, maybe going <laughs> into the third round, do it again. But then it get the variations become too much unless they're playing exactly like you're playing, yeah. right? Um, or if you've got a really good memory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's so when you lay the tiles, when you lay the cards out, that's on, in the on the island. On the island. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. And then, yeah, so they go out to the island, find the loot, right? Bring it back to the ship. There we go. Yeah. 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 Um, and it is 40 cards. There oh, it's 40 cards. Okay. So 40 that's, different cards. Yeah. That's changed from the previous one then. Yeah. Cause it was 30 in, uh, in the, uh, in the one I have here. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, which is interesting. I did. I didn't realize that. Uh, but I, I, I dig that they added they yeah. added cards to it. Yeah, yeah. I just looked. Spanish governor is the thirtieth card uh, hmm. in this version. Hmm. Um, so that's really neat. They added ten more ten more cards and ten more powers essentially to it. Which, um, yeah, I mean, we'll get to kind of like a final thought once we talk a bit more. But yeah, so essentially, yeah. you're going out on I believe it's let's let's say four voyages. Uh, voyages is what they're called three voyages three i'm all over the place I, I, you know you know what it is so we played this one and then i came came home and the next day i played the original version i pulled it out just so i could compare it a bit and now yeah. all i can remember is this <laughs> <Yeah>. version versus <laughs> this one i believe has four um but in that way yeah so so three voyages you're going out uh so yeah. Oh man, I'm just so thinking the, more the, of the changes. Yeah. The first voyage uh consists of four days. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna play cards four times, get four loot tokens, right? Then the second voyage is five days, and the third voyage is six days. That's really neat. So that's another change between the original as well, where it was just you put you get nine cards, you play five. Get nine cards, play five. Get nine cards, play five. Right. So, okay. Was very, so, you know, and then I think there was four in that as well. But I really dig the three uh, because you can, it, you can really watch the progression as the game, as the rounds get sort of longer, as you get, you know, okay, now we have five days. Now we have, you know, those extra days coming on mm -hmm. uh, and more loot each time. And then that loot is, it can be, 
the very it's randomized right so you could have days day three oh day three is terrible it's all curse tokens right yeah or or day four is rough because there's a lot of say like there's two sabers and only one treasure map or something right so it's like what are you gonna go for are you gonna go for the sabers are you gonna try and get the the uh, treasure map what's worth more the treasure map or the or getting your pirate to the island kind of thing, right? So you have to make those decisions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then at the end of the three rounds. Or off um, the island, I guess. Yeah. Getting your pirate off, off the, the island. island. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the three rounds, then you tally up all your doubloons, which is your victory point coins yep. that you collect during this whole period. Uh, and whoever has the most uh, clearly wins, right? Um, but... Yeah, so I I really I really like the day powers how all those trigger and then the dusk powers all trigger uh and and the loot uh sharing. Uh and then there's a night powers that might go off and these are typically powers that are on characters that are on your ship so they've returned to your ship. Uh and then at the end of the day um you get your uh what's the what's the anchor one called i guess the the end of the round powers triggers yeah yeah basically yeah so, end of the so end you, of the voyage yeah end of the which voyage is the end of, right? which is the end of the round as we've been calling it yeah 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 so that's a really neat aspect too cuz you're trying to build up these pirates in your ship that might have end of round points but also you don't want them to die and that's they become targets for your opponent for some of those cards that eliminate uh you know pirates from the other player's ship so yeah yeah it's all it's all it's just a giant mind game with okay can i yeah. put this out now but that creates a target here maybe i put this one that's slightly worse power and then he'll use his card to kill that one and then i'll bring the real the one i really want out afterwards right so yeah you get a lot of those decisions it's really neat yeah and then the big thing with winds of gale crest over the original is the addition of the midshipman mm -hmm. which is strictly for a two-player game it adds a little mini board on the board that essentially uh puts like this permanent card if you will at 20.5 yes right? which so exactly half like because there's 40 if there's you know total of yeah 40 values 20.5 um and if you are in the spot immediately to the left of the midshipman then your opponent gets to choose a loot and take it away uh bef like as as the dusk power essentially so if both players play cards that are less than 20 or well 20 or less they're go both going to go before uh this midshipman that's going to go off first then the one right beside gets to take a loot away, right? Uh, or <laughs> midshipman. Then there's the one beside their opponent gets to take yeah. a loot to take away. Then they're going to get to pick a loot. And then the one who took a loot away doesn't get anything. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. If if one's below and one's above 20.5, right? Okay, now the one above 20.5, you're going to get to pick a loot. Then you're going to get a, to take away a loot, right? And then the other player gets whatever's left over. But yeah, and then so if you're both above 20.5, then the, you're fine. You ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is, it's so interesting because like then that's when you get situations where, you know, you tried to outplay, but then all of a sudden you ended up in that position where your opponent's going to remove a loot yeah. and they get to pick a loot. So they're going to pick the best one. Then they're going to remove one that is good for you. Yeah. But, and then you're going to get stuck taking the cursed, you know, coin or whatever the curse token yeah. uh and just because of the way you know the cards were played and and how that's so it, uh, it's so such a neat aspect to it for sure yeah i think i said you don't get anything if you're both below but that can happen but yeah yes. or you get stuck with something you don't want or yeah exactly yeah 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 for sure yeah and uh, that the addition and we mentioned it when we were talking to jamie uh of that midshipman and the fact now that i know it's 40 40 cards and it's right. perfectly halfway yeah it just it's just the brilliance of having that in there to make two player games more balanced and more interesting like i i can't stress enough how great that makes this game feel compared to the previous version uh like it's it it really is night and day uh and and it, um winds of uh galecrest is is a hundred percent the better the better option here so if you're looking at both <laughs> on the shelf definitely pick the stonemeyer version over this one it, this one's not bad but i mean at, at two players like especially if you're playing two players this one just does it better like and yeah. there's no like I can't mince those words at all. It's it's just it's just how it is, right? Um, but yeah, yeah. That I I really talked that too. Some of the changes, the adding the extra cards, like there's just more more goodness to it. Uh, and yeah. even so, like we should talk about artwork too. We we did talk about how the artwork is. I was just uh, going to ask you about very it. Yeah. Different, yeah. Um, it's it's hard, right? Like because art is so subjective. Uh, I like my pirates pirates. Uh, these are animalist. The new one is animalistic pirates. So everything is like, you know, a, a, a pig person or or I guess like an orcish person. And then one, there's, yeah, one was there was know. one when there was an orc. The barmaid yeah. was like was like human, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you've got like bird people, yeah, like a, and, bird yeah. people, gorilla people, uh, yeah. monkey people. Yeah, like you said, pig people, all kinds of different animal. Yeah, like what am I? Humanoid animals, yeah, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, which is not uh, just anthropomorphic, but or maybe yeah, that yeah, is yeah. what we're looking for. But maybe yeah. it is. Yeah, <laughs> language. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, words are hard. Yeah. So this one is more just a um, personal preference for me. Yeah, uh, I tend to like. Um, I like less animalistic artwork than I did do actual humans, right? So the artwork is beautiful. There's no doubt about that. Like it's done very well. The artist did a great job. I'm not saying that at all. Um, I just even even things like when we talk about things like Everdale, uh, right? 
I'm like, this is this is a neat game. I don't care much for the, you know, uh, animals of the meadow uh, theme behind it. Right. I'm like, eh, whatever. Right. Uh, so for me, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to like the original artwork, though. I will say it's much more. It's it's there's a lot more muted and darker colors. So it's not as pretty and vibrant as the new one is. Uh, so that's definitely like a tick for uh, Winds of Galecrest over over the other one. But that that's more, again, art so subjective and personal preferences as well. Uh, what are your thoughts? Have you seen? I mean, I pulled it out briefly uh, one of the times you were over, uh, but I don't know if we went through any of the cards or anything like that. Yeah, I don't think we went through the cards at all. Um, and I mean, I can see, you know, it's supposed to be like a cutthroat game. Um, uh, and then you add this, you know, darker, uh, grittier artwork, you know, it sets up sort of a mood. Yeah. 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 Uh, interestingly enough, because then you have like winds of gale crests and, you know, it's bright and, um, you know, the, the, the folk are quite cheery most of the time, or, you know, there's that stylized stylistic artwork yeah you feel a bit better right <laughs> like but it's the same game it's the same yeah yeah, yeah. you're you're still attacking each other right like that you, you know that's a really good point and, and it, if i think of it that way i feel like for this game and what what this game is this game isn't a dark gritty you know stab the other player in the back type of game right mm. uh it's more of a you know get into the mind of your opponent and, and try and outplay them so yes. i feel like the winds of galecrest artwork actually suits it better than than say this were from a from a type of game it is right it's you know i i never felt when we were playing that i was really like doing the plays to out pirate you or anything <laughs> like that right uh, and a lot of it came down to, you know, sometimes we'd play the exact same pirate, but one of us would be higher on the respect uh, track. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, yeah. usually that was me. And so that <laughs> that would mean my pirate went ahead and then I'd get to choose the juicy loot first or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, and, and that actually made the difference a few times, at least uh, when we'd go and, you know, we're both trying to get the 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 one loot that's good in this round and then i steal it from you or whatever right uh because i had slightly more respect and then my you know pirate triggered first right so yeah uh, even in those circumstances it's not it wasn't a dark piratey gritty theme right so yeah yeah Mm. i i definitely uh, argue that the route they've gone with the artwork probably suits the type of game it is better yeah i'm I'm even trying to think of some of (laughs) just just as thoughts are popping in my head um even from a you know stonemeyer catalog of games scythe being sort of a bit of an exception there where it's more of a grittier theme like Mm. a darker theme um everything else really pops with uh, like especially the games that are outside of the 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 his um 
like Jamie's stuff, let's say, right? So wingspan, very bright yeah. uh, uh, artwork, right? Um, this one here, very bright. Uh, not the colors are vi- very vibrant, right? Uh, even even things like Pendulum, which I would say is sort of on the a middle flare between kind of darker artwork and whatnot, it still has that sort of um, lots of vibrant colors yeah, in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I guess it's it fits well amongst the catalog of his stuff as well, right? Yeah, and not yep. that you know, I said you know. Uh, scythe is kind of a, a darker that's more just because of you know thematically it takes place in a you know alt alternate steampunky kind of reality right so you want that that uh, mechs and rusty kind of look right mm-hmm. um and then with expeditions being the sort of darker you're, you're moving into the area um that's like corrupted right so you got those but even with expeditions, like even the colors they chose for the for the corruption to like that that nice teal and the bright orange. So like yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. always these nice vibrant <laughs> colors in, in his games as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. From an artwork perspective, you know. that, that's funny too, because right, like all the artwork is Jakob Rosalski. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then it's like then Jamie gets to pick the tokens, and it's like Right, turquoise and orange, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, it, there's nothing, yeah, nothing wrong with the artwork. That's that's my roundabout way of of saying that. Um, and I think it, it it fits this it fits this title for sure. Yeah, I really like the artwork. Um, I mean, I like the artwork of the other one. Like I said, I haven't seen all the cards or anything. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I yeah. I, what you're saying about this is is kind of I'm the same way for the other game. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I like that artwork, but I think I prefer the Winds of Galecrest artwork. Um, yeah, even though they're these, well, yeah, I don't mind that they're these like animal like people. Like, I I think that's neat. I I don't know. I I like it so. Yeah, apparently I got some like hatred for like animorphs or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> What's that? A bird person? No, that can't be. Right? Get that out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But it, it's yeah. it's funny because uh, like I look at uh, from a like if you put these two games side by side on a, on a shelf, I feel like I'd be more inclined to pick up Gales of um, Windcrest. I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I I don't know why. Winds of Gailcrest. So That's the one. Gales of Windcrest. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, names. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I picked that box art looks much better, more more vibrant, and more of a uh, you know. I look at this one, and though the box art looks really cool, uh, and I dig it, if I were to just buy this game based on art on the box art, and then get this home, I'd be like, oh, what is what is this, right? Like, how, this this isn't a this isn't a pirate pirate game. I'm not piratey <laughs> at all, right? So, like I said, I feel like this the artwork mm. suits it better now with this uh, windy crest of Gailey, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, Sorry, Jamie. On the when stormy he, side. Yeah. When he, yeah. Yeah. When he listens to this aspect, he's gonna be like, "Oh, I can't believe." Yeah. <laughs> I went on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there. Actually, you just mentioned another cool aspect. So this one has the flip side. So you got you got the uh, daytime kind of. Um, board presence i suppose right where we're it's a slightly easier less take daddy side uh and then you can flip it over to the stormy side and then all of a sudden like all the tokens slightly change so instead of the uh sabers you know uh removing pirates from the from the island they remove them from the ships or something you know slight changes like that slight variations which i find very interesting it's almost like you get a second game in this in this package, right? So, yeah, that was that was neat. I enjoyed that. And we, when we played, we played the day the the day side, the nice uh, side, and then we flipped it and played the the stormy side as well, right? And got mm-hmm. to experience mm-hmm. both. Yeah, yeah. So you can do the the calm side, the stormy side, or it gives you the ability uh, to mix and match them. So oh, that's neat. Yes, right. One side is printed with all the calm side abilities. The other side is printed with all the stormy side abilities. But they also have like cardboard mats, basically, that you can, you know, I don't know, flip a coin for each one and then mix yeah. and match them. So, which again is going to add lots of variety to the game, which already, you know, has 40 cards in it that you're, you know, playing what a third of those in the game right like yeah 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 for sure yeah maybe maybe half but yeah there's still lots of cards we haven't seen even though we played it a couple of times right so yeah and i feel like it plays quick enough too that like this one's a perfect one for like hey let's let's get a quick light we don't have to think too hard game out and play you know a, a round of this two rounds uh especially if you have like a game day or something right you could you could get this a few times and then move on to something like a void fall and spend the rest of the eight hours playing right so. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah well that's a beautiful segue into <laughs> the next game on our list mm-hmm. uh, unless you have any final thoughts on uh libertalia no, I think this one, like much of the uh, Stonemeyer catalog, is uh, is a winner for sure. Uh, if this is your type of game, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The next game on our list is Voidfall, the eagerly anticipated game from Mind Clash Games. Designed by Nigel Buckle and David Tertzi with artwork by Ian O'Toole. Voidfall is a 4X-ish game um, with heavy Eurogame influence about an extra-dimensional presence uh, that sort of corrupts the minds of this galactic federation um, or at least the one one house of this sort of galactic federation, uh, which eventually leads to, you know, them uh, breaking into our reality uh, through these portals uh, that then when this happened, it was called the, the Voidfall. 
and this corrupting influence, the void born basically took over this house. And in this game, you're trying to eliminate the void born and close the rifts uh, to sort of send, send this void born back uh, to its dimension and obviously save ours. And if you can, if you're the house that, you know, comes out on top, all the better, right? Uh, so in this game, you pick a scenario, basically, and there are tons of different scenarios, and it depends on if you're playing one player, two, three, or four players. Uh, and it will tell you, you know, here's how you set up the map. And you, you place down these hexagon tiles and the, they've got all kinds of stuff on them that you've got your own player board, which represents your house that you're representing. And you're going to assemble your fleet of spaceships and build up uh, your your resources like like any good euro game does right uh and then use those resources to basically expand move into other uh, to other tiles which are other sectors you know eliminate the void born push them back expand your empire potentially battle other players uh there's a a solo mode uh a competitive mode and a co-op mode in this game so lots of different ways to play and that's sort of the overview of it. There's lots of little details. And maybe we just sort of get into those as we go through the game. Because, yeah, I feel like that gives a good broad overview. And then everything else is sort of the nitty gritty. And there's a lot of it. You, you, I, I was going to say, you, you, you know, it's really I like how you said um expand your empire because you really get this feeling when you're playing the game that that's what you're doing right you're as you're as you're moving from tile to tile from planet to planet and sort of colonizing those planets and we'll get into how you sort of do that uh yeah i i i felt thematically that i was growing my you know my small little house of one planet and then an allied planet, and then all of a sudden by the end of the game, not that we expanded massively out, um, but, I mean, I had, what we both had like six planets under our own empires, right? Right. So, you know, from a thematic point of view, uh, the human race uh, has one planet, uh, under <laughs> under our empire, right? Uh, and we're not a cohesive empire uh, by any means. <laughs> yeah. uh, so now, you know, in, in, in Voidfall, I I've conquered six planets. I, I've I've and conquer is probably the wrong word. I've I've uh, liberated. liberated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what all the um, yeah, <laughs> uh, the uh, tyrants say, "Yeah, I've liberated all six of these planets, right?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, and and have expanded my empire right. outwards, right? So, 
Yeah, I, well, I, I dig that uh, uh, terminology. What I feel like what I think gives me those feels is you you have to work to get uh, your your like fleet power built up enough to then move into a sector, eliminate the void born that are there. Uh, and then you're like, okay, this is now mine. But then you have to hold it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the tricky part, right? Yeah. You have to you have to hold that new territory you just took over. You also have to hold all your other territories, right? Like you you yeah, so it's like you're coming in you're kicking the void born out. So we're liberating the sector. Yeah. Uh, but now that sector is under your protection and you have, now you're responsible for, for those people that are there. Right. Yeah. 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 percent. Yeah. If you leave the void born, just come right back in. Yeah. If, yeah. Uh, if you don't have enough military strength there, the void born are going to come back in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you have to, yeah, you're balancing this expansion with am i am i strong enough to actually expand right now and keep that expansion because if you just expand out and then immediately lose it next turn did that really help you and and probably right. no right that probably you know did nothing for you it put you back a couple turns or whatever right so yeah uh yeah yeah uh definitely yeah, that's a good aspect so you don't want to expand too quickly uh the right. void uh, fall the void fall Voidfall, yeah. Uh, the Voidborn is void the, born, the, the entity, yeah. yeah. The Voidborn are a, um, if not say powerful, uh, uh, very much they don't tire out, right? So they're <laughs> yeah. they're always a constant threat uh, or potential of threat uh, there. So it's not something you can just grow lax on i suppose which sounds really cool just explaining this game that you know we're, we're talking about protecting an empire and the threat of the void boy coming and, and and encroaching on your your space right yeah uh and and i feel like if it sounds cool to you if you're listening to this it, it's because it is cool we both thought it was really <laughs> neat Right. So like you said, okay, so you have these fleets uh, and basically the fleets are you start off with this one type of ship called a Corvette uh, and you can have essentially one to three power on it. Right. Uh, and the more power you have on it, obviously, the more powerful it is when you're going into combat and exploring new new tiles and whatever. Right. Uh, and all the tiles are laid. um up, so you know exactly what you're getting into and if there's void mm -hmm. born there you know how powerful they'll have corvettes as well with you know x amount of um power on them as well right uh so what's neat and what we'll get into is that the combat in this game is is deterministic so you're going in knowing what the outcome is going to be so if you're going to lose don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like you can literally calculate who's going to be the winner of the combat. Uh, so do that. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and I, and I 
dig that because I talk often about hating randomization unless you can mitigate it. Well, this is the biggest mitigation factor there is where you completely get rid of that randomness of combat, of rolling dice to see what you add to your power or whatever the case may be, right? No, okay, I know the void born in that sector is two power i'm moving in a a a corvette with three power on it and i don't know if it's called power but i'm it's it's, it's fleet power yeah oh it is fleet power okay so i'm moving in three fleet power i should win this combat right yeah it's a little more complex than that because you know depending on the system you're moving into the planet maybe they have some sort of planetary defenses that will deal damage to you as you enter the sector Uh, so you have to keep that in mind okay i'm going to lose one power moving in and then the attacking will go will will happen uh and the attacking is based on initiative which you again you you can calculate ahead of time i'll have the higher initiative so if i you know you will do power uh, or damage first uh, but if anything if and the damage is all just one damage so if you got a two ship against a two ship uh, and you have initiative or two power two fleet power against two fleet power you have initiative you're doing a damage so now it's one fleet power then it does uh, damage to you so now you're one and one but because you again you have initiative you're going to do damage that ship is gone it doesn't do damage back right so you've you know ahead of time, this is the outcome of this combat. I will have one power left on my fleet uh, after this combat is done. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be successful or whatever the case may be. If yeah. I want two power, okay, I got to send one more fleet power in so that I end with two power, right? Uh, so I really dig that. Like, it, it just makes this game, it takes it really to the next level, not having this you know, randomization factor that might come up where you roll a dice or, or and all of a sudden you've moved in, you should win a combat, you roll a dice and you fail it. Yeah. Right. I yeah. uh, Or you've taken so many, so much damage from this random factor that like, well, you know, I, <laughs> I, I lost half a fleet when, you know, I, I should only lost a ship or something. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's, this has been one of the, I like, I hear so much division over (laughs) this, the, this aspect of this game, the combat, right? Uh, people like us who completely love it. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like, Oh, well, the combat's boring because it's totally deterministic. And it's like, no, it's, it's part of the puzzle of the game. Yeah. Right. So uh you your your basic Corvette uh is exactly the same as the Voidborn. So in your situation, right, if you went in with two of uh, fleet power and they had two fleet power, what's gonna happen is you're gonna wipe each other out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But then uh, during the game, these technologies are going to be available. And they, they're all available at the beginning of the game, uh, and they're different every game. Uh, it, sometimes the scenario will tell you what technologies are available in the competitive modes. I believe it's it's based on the scenario. In the solo mode, you're gonna you're gonna shuffle some cards, and you know they'll determine what technologies are out. 
But the technologies might be things like uh, th- there's one called targeting, which gives you more initiative. So then, like like you said, now you're moving in with two fleet power versus their two fleet power. You're going to win that combat instead of you got mutual annihilation. Yeah, yeah. Um, or shields. So now, okay, they they do a damage to you, but you're going to absorb that damage, and you know, and then you're going to deal damage to them. Now you have initiative because you've got more fleet power, uh, and it just it just changes the variables. So. That's something you got to decide during the game. Am I going to take an action to grab a technology? And then what technology do I need right now? Like if, if, if I really want to attack that next sector, I need to boost my, you know, I need to get an advantage somehow. So maybe if I grab the shield technology that, oh, then I can win that combat. But then, like we said before, can you hold that sector? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then not only that, like then you have if you're playing competitive, you have the other player to worry about too. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, the void boyne is one thing, but then you're trying to st- strategically take planets that are somewhat protected. Maybe you have a bubble of void born around those planets, uh, so you know your opponent has to work through those before getting to you. Uh, but that inherently has risks as well because then the Voidborn have access to attacking your planet because they're surrounding it, right? So it's like all these like little decisions you have to make. And I think with mm-hmm. the deterministic combat, part of the reason I like it this way too is because you, you're fully in charge of planning for that, right? There's no randomization, oh, combat's boring, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not born because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to build a defense that's going to, you know, make it either extremely difficult, very costly for you to take from me uh, or or impossible. Right. And that's part of the strategy of the combat. Right. Yeah. That's my yeah, yeah. I'm creating a a system where you can attack me. Right. Uh, or if you do, it's going to be on my terms versus on your terms. Right. Um and I think I, I think that's part of the, you know, yes, maybe you give up this this battle aspect of of a combat, but it becomes more of a strategic uh, placement of forces in, in that sense. So you're yeah. winning the battles before you're actually playing the battles. Right. Um, which I, I don't know. I've I've always felt more of a like this game makes you feel like that general. Uh, versus the grunt going out and doing the the actual battle, right? It's not, it's not, you know, um, I don't know, uh, a Call of Duty battlefront where you're out there, you know, shooting your guns, playing those games. It's more of, and this is, I've not, I've not played either of these video games, uh, uh, Call of Duty, or 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 it's more of a, uh, you know, strategic uh, games like the Total War games, which I have also not played, but I'm pretty sure they they have, like, <laughs> you know, maneuvering of your troops and stuff uh, before gotcha. you get into battle and whatever, right? So right. it's more of that kind of, like, general, you're the general of your fleet, yeah. uh, and 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 that that's the combat, right? So we've been talking a lot about the combat, but that's only, you know, one aspect of this game and and not not the biggest one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the tiles, your, your sector tiles are going to be made up of uh, a few different things. So you've got uh, a population, which is represented by a, a die with values one to six. So your typical D6 die. Now you're not rolling these. It just, there's a marker to show what the population of that sector is, right? Then there are three slots for guilds. Uh, Guilds are how you get your resources. So there are farmer guilds. um, Banks. Yeah, banks, miners. uh, uh, Now the names of the other two, I I called the... (laughs) There's the science, like science. I think it's the research guild. Okay. And right. Science is the um, resource. Output. Yeah, yeah. And then there's there's a power one. <laughs> well, I don't know. Electricians <laughs> guild. Yeah. Let's yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, so what you do is basically multiply your population by the number of guilds. Uh, so if you've got so you've got two farmers guild in one sector and a population of three. Well, that's going to give you a production value of six. And now that doesn't mean that you produce six uh, food. What? But what happens is there's a a like board, like a board with these dials on it, and you turn the production dial to six. And that's going to tell you how much of that resource you produce when you take the produce action. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is. It's it's really neat. It's not that complicated. It does add a layer of complication to it, I suppose, from your typical euro. But, yeah. Yeah. But re- like, but what it does is you're managing like these guilds and populations from all kinds of different sectors. And it actually makes it an easy way to go, okay, well, I want to take produce action. I don't have to count up all these different sectors and account for them. It's just right there on the dial. Right. Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite aspects of it. Oh yeah. Like I talked a lot about the combat, but I really love the guild aspect. I thought it was really cool playing with the populations yeah. and the guilds that you have there uh, and, and, and then just getting your, your output of production. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, you're right. It's not a one-to-one. Okay. I got four production. So that's four. No, no, there's uh, you know, you want, yeah, it's great to have more and more production uh, of whatever it is. So more and more of these guilds on high population areas, uh, because yeah, it will produce more, but it's not the one to one. So like you're still, you know, you might have an eight production in food and get four resources every time you produce, right? So you know, there's there's yeah. there's kind of a there's a calculation there, but it, it's a neat one. Like it's a cool one, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it starts off slow, so you have to like up your production value. You know, uh, let's say every time you go up one in your production value. Uh, you're 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 going to produce one resource, and then at, at two production, you're going to produce one resource. At three production, you're going to produce one resource. But then it goes to two, to two, to three, to three. You know, but then it's like then it starts to ramp up. Yeah, and, yeah. And you, you're going up one production, but but you're producing like 
five more resources than than previously right so it, it yeah it's slow at first but then you get the higher numbers you're producing like way more yeah resources. Yeah, yeah um yeah so those resources are food energy materials and then there's credits just like money right which can be used as any of those three basic ones and then there's one-to-one ratio which is very interesting as well yes yeah typically you'd get something like a two two credits for one of any other resource but this is a one-to-one which i found was really neat from a design uh perspective yeah, but and then keep going. Yeah, yeah. the last one is science. Yeah. Um, so food is typically used for upkeep at the at the end of your turn. Uh, you're going to have to pay upkeep on your agendas that you have out, which is how you score points. And then any sector where you have, you know, three guilds or three installations, which we haven't talked about yet, but if, if you've got those spots filled that you have to pay an upkeep on that. Um, and f- you could pay upkeep with one food or uh, two of other energy or materials. And then this is the one case you can't pay credits for those. Yeah. Yeah. Can't eat your money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, energy is going to be usually used for moving your fleet around. Uh, materials is usually used for like producing ships, like like the higher end ships um, and other technologies like that. Uh, credits can be used to replace the other resources, and then science is typically used to buy new technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's your resources board. Uh, the the other part of the sector are going to be your installations that I just mentioned. Your installations are are either shipyards, which let you deploy fleet power to those sectors when you take uh, a certain action Uh, and sector defenses. So Thomas mentioned uh, sometimes you're going to move into a sector and immediately take damage, uh, which they call approach damage. So these sector defenses you can put up and basically they're saying, yeah, any any enemies that come in here are going to take one damage for each of your sector defenses, uh, which can really swing the outcome of, of the battles, as you can imagine. And then there's a technology that lets you make star bases, which are the third type of installation, and they act as both. So uh, they're really neat, but they're not going to be in every game. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're they are powerful. I played a solo game where I was using star bases and that's pretty great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then each of these locations, each of these planets can have uh, you mentioned it early, but three guilds and uh, three installations. Right. So once you yeah. hit the max, you're going to have to pay upgrade keep for them. Uh but they're going to be that much more productive, whether they're protecting themselves or I don't know why you would. I guess if you have two um, uh, shipyards, do you I guess you would produce twice on that location, would you? Yep. For fleet power. Oh, that's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'd like there's all little things like that, that I, that it's very 
Very interesting. Very fascinating. I like that. I like the aspect of, because, you know, to, to stick with our um, theme of liberating uh, the you know I I I think of if if anyone's been uh, has read or is watching the show Invincible, um, the you talk about the Viltrumite Empire is there to a better society of the planets they come to and and whatever it's a, you have this sort of I'm going to a planet. I'm liberating it. And then I'm like, I'm installing shipyards and planetary defenses and bringing in all these guilds. And I'm, you know, I'm really a bettering society on these planets. Right. So you get that, that feeling of, you know, this, this my house, my uh, government that I'm, that I started as, and as I'm spreading my um, empire, I'm bringing my knowledge to all these backward planets. Right. Uh, so that's how I I took it, right? Uh, of course, you see yourself not. as like the Viltrumites <laughs> when you play this game. Oh my well. goodness! Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I yeah, okay, you I can really see, get I that can, sense. <laughs> see how you see it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Betterment of the planets, right? Let us take over and and. Your lives will be easier. (laughs) (laughs) So at the start of the game, you're going to be able to select a house uh, and, you know, then spread the good word throughout the galaxy. You know, your good works, right? Uh, (laughs) Every house is going to have two origin cards. And uh, the origin card will let you choose a starting technology and will determine your starting resources and everything else. Uh, the the few times that we've played, uh, we've played with the basic houses and they tend to be one is more militaristic and one is more resource focused, mm-hmm. uh, both in their technologies and then, you know, the bonuses you get after that. Uh, that card will also be your starting agenda cards. So, uh, for instance, if you're taking the more militaristic route, your agendas might be, uh, if you have, you know, so many corruption free sectors, you get this many points and then you're going to get so many points for every sector defense that you've built. And then you get so many points for every star base that you've built, things like that. Right. Uh, And then you've got this galactic board in the middle. And this is sort of like how you run the game. Everything's laid out on this galactic board. And there are three rounds in the game. You're going to flip a galactic event card. And it's going to say, do this. And you may do this. uh, And it might be. Hey, everyone has to add a fleet power to a void born sector, like a like add a void born fleet power to uh, a sector adjacent to one of your own. Right. So bad stuff. Right. But then everyone can, you know, has the option to I think one of ours was like gain a technology, which is crazy. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So bad stuff could happen. Good stuff can happen. Uh, and then it's going to say how many turns you get this round. 
And it's, I think, between four and six. Mm-hmm. So you have in your hand uh, a deck of cards. I think it's nine cards. And each card has three different actions on it. And when you, you're going to play a card and on your turn and say, I'm going to take these two actions, two of the three. Now, you later on, you can take three actions if you trade in a trade token for this. Um, but at the start of the game, you're not going to have any of those trade tokens. So you take two of the of the three actions. And then you get to do that. However many times it says on the galactic event card could be four times, could be six times. And the other thing on the galactic event card is going to be like, like your agendas. If you can, let's say, have a total of 10 population. You're going to get this reward or, you know, if you, you know, whatever other objective and and you are in reward system. They're usually very doable, but difficult to do. And you kind of have to focus your attention on doing those things or choose not to. Right. A lot of the times you're like, okay, well, I could do that one. I'm never going to do that one. Yeah. Right. Um, But you're also trying to score on your agenda cards. So there's this puzzle of like, okay, these are the things I'm trying to do this cycle. Now, and I've got four turns to do it, which means eight actions. <laughs> How am I going to do this in eight actions, right? Or, you know, okay, maybe I can pick up that trade token and use that for three actions, but then I'm going to pay more upkeep because the trade tokens cover up the upkeep on your agenda cards. Uh, and then so you don't have to pay those. So then you're like, okay, well, if I put the trade token here, then I'll have enough food. But if I use the trade token for this action, I won't have enough food. You know, I'm going to lose points there. And it just becomes this grand puzzle of efficiency. How am I going to get all the things I want to get and do the things I want to do with, with these limited number of actions that I can take? And therein lies the beauty of this game. Because it is such a tight puzzle. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and, and I will say, though, with with these <clears throat> sort of the, the number of turns you get each round, there's going to be an aspect, and this might not be for everybody, you know, might not enjoy this. But I thought it was great. Uh, but you're going to sit there at the start of the round and go, okay, I get four, four, four cards I can play this turn. What cards am I playing? What order am I playing them in? And you're going exactly. to figure it out, right? You're going to yeah. do all the, this is going to give me that, which I'll use over here to do this on my next card, which I'll then use to do this, 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 and you're going to plan it out. If you're not planning it out, well, your opponent is just going to like wipe the floor with you. Like it won't even, it won't be a, a, a competition at all, right? Like, so you have to sit there, figure it out uh, and know what you're doing yeah. Not only like just to, you know, thwart your opponent, but also just so you don't end up, oh, wow, I, I don't have the resources to pay for any of this. Uh, so, you know, my actions are limited now because because I played this in a poor order. Or I didn't I didn't do what I needed to do. Right. So I really dug that because, yeah, it's a puzzle. That's what it is. I've said it before. I love 
the mind puzzles that games bring. And this one definitely brings that. I got to figure it out. What's my best course of action, right? Yep. And then sometimes, depending on how things are going, your opponent might do something that affects your thing. Okay, I really want that technology. Do I play this card early so I can get a technology? Or can I wait till my you know third card played to take that technology, right? Are they even looking? Am I worried that they might take that technology? Maybe not. So I can play this whenever, right? Uh, and yeah. then all of a sudden they they take it, take it up right from under you, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, that changes things now, right? So, yep. Yeah. And, yeah, and, I, and the, with this card system is, is brilliant because you're like, okay, well, if I could just do these eight actions, I'd be fine. But no, like, okay, th- these actions are on this card. So I want to play this first. Oh, but, but I wanted to do, but I wanted to produce later because I wanted to get the guilds down. But in order to get the guilds down, I have to invade, which is over on this card and <laughs> like, oh, but, but no, but that's on the produce card. So I can't produce now and later. Right. Like, so it's. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger. Okay. Well, well then I have to make concessions and which order. Yeah. And, but then on the agenda cards. Yes. Yeah. There are also actions so you can maybe you can pick up an agenda card uh, to get that extra action. But the agenda card that you take can only be played with certain of the their The action cards, they're called focus cards. So each agenda card can only be played with two specific focus cards. Right. And so maybe you can pick up an agenda early you know, and, and still play it, or you might not be able to play it this cycle because maybe the taking a, take a agenda card action. You need to play that card later in the turn, right? So it's, it's a beautiful puzzle. It, it, it really is. And like, yeah, beautiful puzzle is a perfect way to put it because yeah, there, there's, especially with those agenda cards and like, cause then sometimes you're taking the action to get a, uh, playing the focus card to get the agenda card, which you're then going to play with the next card in your lineup of playing. So you're like comboing those. So I pick up the agenda. I play the next focus card. I play the agenda. And then, but you know, that then having that agenda adds two more upkeep because each agenda is worth two upkeep. Right. So yep. then you're like, you know, it's sometimes not bad to pick up an agenda and just hold it. To the next round because then you're not paying upkeep you're only playing upkeep on it if you have it played right yeah. so okay i'm i won't be able to play it, uh afford the upkeep if i play this right away so i'm okay with just holding it to the next round but in the same token like if you have those agenda t- cards earlier they add you more victory point scoring conditions at the end of each round right so it's like <laughs> i want to get these out early but i gotta pay more upkeep but then i can't do that you, you know what i mean so and if you can't ever pay the upkeep then it's worth negative victory points so there's that math to figure out okay i'm not gonna be able to pay one upkeep that's gonna be negative three but this card's gonna give me six points so that's okay because i'm up positive three right <laughs> you know it, so you get those calculations too that you're figuring out and it's just it's a lovely, lovely puzzle that, uh, yeah, you just have to yeah. kind of solve. 
Um, yeah. And it gets your brain just chugging along. I love it. Yeah. And I don't know how you did it. <laughs> you crushed it when we played. I was in the zone. I felt like everything was like just coming up, you know, Millhouse kind of thing. The cards we were flipping for the start of the round was like really benefiting me. Um, the way in which I was playing the, the, the technology stuff, like the technology of the house that I started with, like it was all just like, as soon as we started, it was like, it was like that, um, <laughs> that, uh, uh, I don't the know. There's that meme, meme with, all, with the all the calculations. The calculations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that was exactly Right. So yeah, I just, I, I hope the next time we play, I could do something similar. If I just like totally like, you know, with it on points, I'm going to be so upset with myself. Well, let's put it this way, okay? I uh, I played it solo uh, a few times. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll get into the difficulty, uh, uh, the onboarding difficulty of this game later. But um, not counting the onboarding, I played uh, two. Well, I played a tutorial. Yeah, so I played the tutorial, right? Uh, which is the onboarding. So I'm going to say it out. <laughs> so it's not the full version. I scored 151 points. I played the full solo experience. I again scored 151 points uh, and lost that round because the bot scored a well. It's not a bot, but. Uh, which again, I'll talk about because the solo in this game is so good. Uh, yeah. And there is no bot, but the it, it's listed as bot on my app. So that's why I said it. But the, the score I had to beat was was 182. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, now, when we played competitively, this is the best score I ever got it was 100, sure. yeah. 193. Yeah. Yeah. You scored 262 points. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, okay. And we spoke earlier in this episode about, like, me not needing any of the games that you have. Because I could just play it anytime. You know, I just ask. I feel like I got to own this game. It's, it's that good. Like, I just, especially to hear you just say, I, I wondered about the solo because the solo changes things up a bit Yeah, uh, from a competitive play. But to hear you say that the solo is so good, that makes me want it, like, that much more, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and this yeah. is another one, actually, you picked this up for me. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and then to hand the <laughs> here you go, <laughs> you know, massive weighted box. Oh, yeah. So we put in this order, and really, I got, I got a twenty dollar game on this order, which was called Mob <laughs> uh, Big Apple, um, which is an okay game. It's good. It's it's good. That's it. You know, okay. it's right. It's not. I'm not. You know, rushing to I didn't even talk about it in there in a, in my other place here. That's how forgettable, you know. Not, <laughs> that's how just Aww. mediocre good. Like it's okay, yeah. it's nice, but we'll get it to the table someday. Uh anyways. Um so 
that's all I got. This twenty dollar twenty dollar game. Then I get you know sleeping sleeping gods. Um, for now, I know Jamie was talking about sleeping gods, distant skies, which is like the second game in this sort of series, right? But like, so sleeping gods, I'm giving that away to my my brother and my um and my um. Uh, sister-in-law uh and then Voidfall comes in this is a big you know justice heavy box massive <laughs> box and you know i'm handing that off to you and i got this tiny little <laughs> it's so disappointing <laughs> from like looking at everything that came in that box oh man <laughs> and i got your uh your gift as well in there too so like literally i have one thing in this massive box that came in that came to my porch uh, you know, oh, it was it was, oh. it was tough, but yeah, no, this this, this game was just I, like I played it. We played it once together, and no. I just I haven't stopped thinking about it. Right, just all the little aspects of it. Uh, it was just so good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and, it's 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 so full of crunch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the various technologies they all do really cool stuff, and then you could oh, just like so- build to you know. There's so many different strategies you can go that way. Like the first thing we did when we flipped that first like card for the round card, uh, and it was like you each get a free technology. I was like, okay, that's wicked. I happen to be first player because uh, we randomly decided, so I got first pick. But like, this is another aspect of it we haven't quite talked. So you mentioned the technology. Your your house comes with a technology. Well, each of the technologies is separated into like a first tier technology and a second tier technology right so the first tier is good and then the second tier just improves the technology basically right so your house technology you have a first tier technology and then you're the only one that can get that second tier right so that's locked out to the other player they can get the first tier of it uh but they can't i believe can they uh it depends on the player count so okay two players no at two players, your your home like starting technology, you're the only one who can get it. At three and four players, the uh non-pointed one yeah. uh, is available to everybody. Okay, well, cool, well, cool, cool. Yeah. One copy of it is available to the other players. Whoever gets it first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you have this these technologies. Then all the technologies in the center of the board that aren't specific to the houses, that like all the f- First tier technologies are available right from the start of the game, right? Uh, and enough copies that each player can do the same technology, right? Uh, and the first copy of the technology, yeah, in two players, yeah. Yep. In the, <laughs> the 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 first player to take it uh, gets a bonus of uh, you know four victory points for researching the technology first, right? Uh, and then the second player doesn't get that bonus, but they get the technology. So it's not like it's a total loss, right? No. Uh, but it does definitely affect your choice, you, you know, your decision to, okay, I could take that, but I'm not going to get any bonus points. So I could take this other one that's still good, but I'll get points with it too. So I guess I'm going the shield route yeah, right? yeah instead yeah. of the, you know, the aggressive ship route or something, right? So that first technology in our play, we get this free one and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And I, of course, I picked the the ship that's, you know, the more militaristic ship. I can't remember the name of the ship, but it was a dreadnought. Right? Dread, dreadnought. Yeah. So yeah. it even sounds like a nasty ship, right? Yeah. Went from the Corvette to a dreadnought. Uh, so 
you know, you know, I, I picked that technology right away because I was like, you know, this is going to help me. Even though like the technology, like the, the house card I picked originally was the economic one, but I just saw this as such a benefit to this is going to help me expand the planets so I can economically bring them up to where I want the, to have them. Right. And you really do have to play both of those angles, like whether you want to be more militaristic or more economical, yeah. you got to do both. You got to do both. Yeah. So what's, what's so neat because like. Yeah, your house kind of pushes you in a direction, a starting direction, but it doesn't lock you in, right? Yeah. Like you can pivot quite easily if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, once you start doing upgrades on planets and choosing like, okay, I put all these, let's say, bank guilds in. Okay, well, well, now you, you've committed to some sort of credit strategy or something, right? So you're, you're stuck doing that, right? Um, there's little there's not many ways i believe once you've built things to remove those things nor would you want to i don't know even though if there is a way but because you've used actions to put those installations in so you you know to erase the working part anyways um yeah so like you do commit uh to certain strategies but that's usually because you've picked agenda cards that you know that you're going to score and then you're trying to score on those agenda cards but yeah oh man the, just the technologies are cool and then like i said you have the first tier which are all great technologies i didn't find one technology on there that i was like eh uh i don't care right yeah we did pick some of them but it's just because that didn't sit with a strategy we currently were going for right yeah. so in a different game different setups you know could totally pick something different, right? For example, I think I think uh decontamination chamber sat there the whole game, and I don't think we picked it, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh when I played solo, it was the first one I took, and it was so good. Like it was like it yeah, it helped so much. <laughs> it, and that's it. So like different situations could call for different uses yeah. of technologies, right? Yeah. Uh and then what's re really neat is that you take these the tier two technologies and you mix them up and only during, okay. So the, during the first round, you can't upgrade them. N not enough time has passed for you to upgrade your technologies, right? So from round two on, so in round two, you get half of the second tier uh, technologies available, right? So when you are upgrading, you can upgrade to the second tier. Now in the two player, there was only one of each second uh tier technology available yeah it's, it's just one just uh, one yeah at any so, player count yeah oh at any oh that's interesting so once yeah. it's gone it's if gone. you both have shields say technology and your opponent picks that second tier up well that's it they're the only one that gets that right yeah. plus it's worth six victory points so there's another but like the okay so the, the tier one are great then tier two goes you're like Man, how did that get so much better? Like, I didn't know I was missing that, but this is great. Yeah. Right? So the technology, it feels like it gets better, right? Uh, and then, you know, round three, the rest of them come, the other half. So you know, okay, nobody upgraded these ones to tier two. Well, you can't do it anymore. They're gone. And yeah. now here's the tier two of the next ones, right? So you get this aspect of, your, you know, tier one, you're picking... Uh, or or round one, you're picking sort of some te technologies, maybe. Uh, and then round two happens and you get to see, 
okay, here are the second tier technologies. If I want any of these, either A, I have the technology already because I got it in a previous round, or if I want to really want to do two tiers, I got to buy the technology, the first tier, and then I got to buy the second tier technology, right? So you get sort of that like planning of trying to buy both so you can have them both. Um, and then round three, the rest of them come in. So sometimes you want to buy, I'm going to buy a one tier technology where the second tier isn't available yet. Yeah. And I'll just plan on buying that when round three comes. Right. Um, and hopefully, you know, your opponent doesn't do the same sort of thing. And then you're, you're fighting for that second tier technology who gets to go first and take that action. Right. So I'm glad you said fighting. Because when you when you started with an F word and then hesitated, I didn't think it was going to be fighting that came out. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> You're another uh, F word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was. Um, oh yeah, just just great. I really d- dug that. Um, and the building of the agendas yeah. and the 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 technologies and the actions and. Focus card. Oh, just so good. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the uh, sort of once you've taken the number of turns that you're allowed in that cycle, uh, then it's going to go to the evaluation phase, which is when the Voidborn are going to attack you back. Right. And basically you you look at all of your different sectors and then you're going to pick essentially the weakest one. And then that's where they're going to attack you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been talking about corruption. So uh, the Voidborn is basically this corrupting influence, right? So on all of the Voidborn sectors and then potentially some other ones, you're going to have these little corruption markers that go under the population die that says, okay, this is, this is you know, the sector is corrupted. Um. It'll still produce materials and whatever, just, you know, or resources, I should say, um, just fine. Uh, But you can't score anything that's corrupted. Uh, At certain times during the game, depending on what comes out, like maybe a galactic event card will say, take a corruption uh, onto your home mat, right? You can put a corruption on uh, one of your agenda slots, which means that you then can't score on those agendas. Uh, or the other thing we haven't talked about is every house mat has has these three civilization tracks. And when you get to move up on a track, it's going to give you a bonus uh, for every spot gives you uh, something good. Uh, and for I think the four basic houses, all the tracks are the same. And then for all the other houses, like all those tracks are different. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are things like, you know, def- deploy fleet power, or gain a trade token, or gain a technology, or increase the population in one of your sectors. Like all kinds of different sweet boons, right? And then uh, some of the tracks, like at the very end, are worth a ton of points. Uh, and, but as you get higher up in the tracks, uh, they, they come at a cost, like so to move up, you're, you're going to have to pay a cost. 
anyway, um, but these tracks, you can put corruption there too. And again, if you if those tracks are corrupted and they move up, you're not going to get those bonuses. But when the Voidborn attack you, their fleet strength is going to be equal to the amount of corruption you have on your mat. So, and there's actually, there's a card called Temptation, which has some pretty sweet actions on it. But to take those actions, you have to take corruption, which it's like the most aptly named card ever. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, because, yeah, so at again, at the end of the cycle, the first thing that's going to happen, the Voidborn are going to attack you and their strength is based on the amount of corruption that you have. So with all the planning of all the stuff you're trying to do and can I attack that sector? And like we said, can you hold it? Because then at the end of the cycle, they're going to come at you and either you, I would say typically what's either going to happen is nothing because you've set yourself up to defend your your sectors well or they come in and crush you and you lose a sector and it's just gone back to the you lose uh all the installations on it i think if you abandon it all the guilds go away too i'm not 100 percent sure on that one yeah uh and then and then they voidborn get automatically get two fleet power there you know, so all that work you put into it because you miscalculated and that's gone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's just, you know, we talk about all this cool stuff you're doing and planning on your turn. Now you have the corruption to manage as well. It's another aspect of this game that you're you're planning. It's very easy to miss a piece of that calculation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, like. Part of that is, is this fleet power, right? So if you ever have zero fleet power in a planet section, not including your house planet, your home planet there, but um, it immediately goes uh, to void fall control, right? Uh, void, void born control, yeah. right? Uh, so you end up in situations where you're like, okay, I'm expanding, I'm, I'm expanding out, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I want to move it. Oh no, I only have two fleet power, and I have to keep one fleet power back because I don't want to abandon this planet here that I've been working on. So I guess I can't attack this turn. Or, you know, I I'm I'm taking this action and I gotta remove a fleet fleet power from one of my uh locations to get the bonus. Oh no, I all my locations have one fleet power, uh, or I'm gonna have to get rid of that you know, um, uh, destroyer or whatever the dreadnought, uh, because that's, you know, I have the, a Corvette and a dreadnought there, but I need the Corvette because for whatever reason or whatever. So I guess yeah. I got to get rid of uh, my, my dreadnought, which actually costs more to put on the board than a Corvette does. And, you know, so there's all these, uh, little mini calculations that are easy to overlook. Uh, in our game, my final move, I was like, I was set up perfect, perfectly uh, to do one final push that would have ended up getting me, would have netted me like an extra like eight points or something. So it wasn't a huge deal, right? But that net uh, gain there, that eight points 
didn't work. I wasn't able to do it because I missed one tiny aspect where I had these, you know, uh, defensive missiles. Uh, but I, in order for me to use them for attacking purposes, I had to have a shipyard in the location. And I was thinking I needed a, a, a defensive, um, installation in the, in the planet. Right. right. Which I had two of. Right. And so as soon as I realized, I was like, oh, I have two of these and no shipyard. So I can't do my, you know, long range missiles, right. do one damage to the Voidborn and then move in and, and conquer them kind of thing. Right. Uh, and that's what I require to, you know, be successful in that combat. Right. Uh, and without that, it would have just been a tied combat, which would end up in mutual destruction. And then, yeah, you know, no points. Um, but I think you needed those two sector defense, right? Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so it was all, it was, it was a very, very interesting, uh, puzzle. And, and yeah, like, like I said, it's very easy to miss a tiny little thing. Okay. I had two sector defense and no shipyard and that changed the outcome of that. My final six card that right. I was playing. So, you know, I calculated everything up to the last tiny detail of the sixth card, right? So, you know, it's it's that things like that, that, um, okay, it wasn't a big deal. It was the end of the game. But could you imagine if that decision lost you a territory, right? Yeah. Much more devastating uh, for something that to, like that to happen on the on the final card of the, the match or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um... And then after the Voidborn Retaliator, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, that you're gonna you're gonna score. Yeah. So you're gonna score three times in the game, and then there's no like other end game scoring phase. It's just yeah, like the same things you've been working on and building up throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, so you don't have this really crazy like okay, and then all at the end of the game, I get this, 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 this type scoring right like you're you're putting those agendas down to score on and the earlier you get those out the more rounds you're going to score on those agendas yeah uh, and then those initial cards that come out at the start of the round you're gonna you know get those as scoring for each of the three rounds right if you meet those objectives kind of thing right yeah so the those the galactic event cards you're talking about right. um yeah. so for cycles one and I've never seen one in cycle one that scores points. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it usually gives you gives like you resource or yeah. bonuses. I think I have seen a cycle two card that scored points. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then typically the cycle three card will, I, I haven't seen one that didn't score you points. Okay. Like usually that yeah. one is like, okay, here's like an end game point objective thing, but yeah, you have to work to it and you yeah. can see what your, your opponent is working to it too. So it's not like it's this secretive kind of now, sometimes they're in a, they could be in a better position or something to reach it. But usually you get sort of two outcomes that mm -hmm. you can do this, or you can do that for points and you're going to be able to reach one of those, hopefully, uh, unless, you know, you're having a really bad game and <laughs> things have not worked out. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I just, so cool. So, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
so uh the solo mode uh basically adds an additional board uh and there's so there's no bot just cool because the game kind of already has this built-in you know void born or you're, you're attacking them they're attacking you back kind of thing right yeah yeah and essentially what happens is these cards are going to flip and say you know you have to uh do this or else like like do this this turn or else the card goes on this board and there's two rows on this board and one is military and one is economic much like the rest of the game um <laughs> if the card goes on the the economic one you're going to be bleeding resources out at, so at the uh the end of the the cycle you're gonna have to pay a bunch of resources depending on how far along these cards are right mm-hmm. uh and if it goes to the militaristic one it's just going to add voidborn fleet power for when they attack you oh so wow interesting yeah you want to try to get those cards off this this board uh so it'll be something like uh it, it might say when you play this focus card also pay two credits sure, or yeah. you know it, it, lots of different things that's one example um and, and it'll have another condition at the bottom that'll say uh you can get rid of this card if you sacrifice this right 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 um so the top one you can do on your turn uh and if you don't you can do the bottom one before it goes on the board but then yeah. once it goes on the board, you can't do the bottom sacrifice, whatever you have to do the, the condition at the top. If you want to remove it. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Um, so that basically adds more to the puzzle that you're trying to, you know, you really don't want to ignore these cards. You don't want to let them add up because it's very punishing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so then at the end of the game, that's a really simplified way of putting it, right? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the game, basically the Voidborn are going to score points based on everything that you didn't do. <laughs> right? So, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so if you're on an easy, medium, or hard, they're going to score a certain number of base points, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Then it's like, Okay, for every corruption that's still on the board, they're going to score this many points. Uh, you know, for yeah, every voidborn fleet power that's still on the board, they're going to score this many points. For so like it all the decisions where you're like, okay, I'm going to choose to go more economical, I'm just going to hold my sectors, right? <laughs> well, then they're scoring more points. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, it's like all the stuff you're trying to manage, if you can't manage to accomplish stuff, then it just makes it harder to win that, that game. That's cool. Uh, I did that. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so good. It's so creative. Um, ah, such a great, yeah, it doesn't change the game at all other than, yeah, like adding this other puzzle that, or this other thing you have to manage while you're, playing the game as you would 
any other time, like uh, cooperative or or um, competitive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, the cooperative mode and the solo mode it has the same. It adds that same board and works the same way. So, oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I gotta say, like this one, we we talked about like our top games this year. That yeah, th- this one has to be. It's up there for sure. Like it, it was just, it was so good. You know, you have those games where you play one time and you just know, wow, like this game is, it, it, you know, we we we've we've both done it, uh, where we we've you know played a game and like, just, you know, the chef's kiss, the the masterpiece <laughs> kind of thing, right? And yeah. this game has that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk um, uh, components uh, before we uh, kind of wrap it up here. Um, yeah, what are what are your thoughts, Jordan? So it's it's hard to talk about components without talking about the versions of the game. Hundred so percent. Yeah. This was a Kickstarter game, and like uh, like the big Kickstarter games. Uh, they threw in a lot of goodies if you went with the Kickstarter version, right? I believe they called the Galactic Box, mm-hmm. and the Galactic Box is twice the size of the retail version. Uh, and the reason being, all those cardboard uh, fleet tokens, the Corvettes, the Dreadnoughts, all that stuff, they have minis for them, uh, which... I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's cool, right? Uh, they look great. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I've heard people say it's it can it's actually a little bit harder to manage, like the fleet power, because uh, the fleet power basically sits at the base of these minis, and then and then there's a st- uh, like a flight stand kind of thing within the ships, uh, you know, floating in the air. Oh, like like. Oh, so hard. Like that sounds so good, right? And then uh there there's these little void storm tokens and you put them in between the sectors and that uh breaks adjacency between those sectors because yeah, there's this this void storm you can't fly through, right? Mm-hmm. In this game it's it's a cardboard piece and but in the deluxe version it's, you know, a cool sculpted little plastic wall, right? So, and and then all the like guild tokens again in the retail version are cardboard chits. In the in the Kickstarter version, they're actual metal tokens. Uh, and then in the Kickstarter version too, the sector tiles are the double layer tiles, and all of the little spots for the guild tokens and the installations and everything are are cut out. So. That stuff sounds awesome and would love to have it, but it's an extra 150. I think it doubles the price. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's like an extra 150 bucks. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, to me, I'm glad I went with the retail version. Like the components are great. Yeah. 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 It's not like you're getting cheap components now because you went for the retail version, right? So that's not the case. That's not that's not what this is. And I'm I mean this game retail version, it's a pricey game, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a it's it's a you know higher end game. I mean, we're not talking like 
$200 chip theory game, $150, $300. It can be $150, depending on how you how you get it, right? Uh, but it's still a pricey game. It's like, you know, it's that it's that uh, upper echelon of gaming uh sort of thing. Um but I'm with you on that. Like I I view a lot of those things, they're not mechanical changes or rules changes to the game. Uh, they're more of if you want to bling this game out, yeah. right? And if that's your thing, cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's never really been my thing. Um, so yeah, if I pick this one up, I'm going retail version for sure. That's yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I don't need all that extra stuff. I've talked about an anachrony, which is a mind mind clash game as well, and I've talked about picking up those miniatures uh, for them, which are not in prints anymore. Blah blah blah. Right. Um, that would be a, again, like a bling upgrade to that game. And it it would, they would literally be the last expansion that I would purchase once I get all the actual like gameplay expansion. Cause that to me, that's the important stuff, making the game, you know, adding more content to the game, whatever, that kind of stuff, those stuff. Okay. You can make an argument if there was like two versions and one version came with all the expansions. Um, even then, I might say, why not just buy the expansion separate, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Um, yeah, this is just a total, it's a total like upgrade, linger copy out if you want to have that. I don't yeah. think it's necessary. Yeah. Like, it comes with good stuff. Okay, you don't get a miniature ships, but you don't need them. The, yeah. the, the ships feel different when you have the, you know, uh, the die cut cardboard uh, ships, right? Or shit, shit, shit ships that you know you put your your fleet power in so you know it was cool without that stuff yeah really cool without that stuff so yeah i don't th- i don't think you need it yeah, yeah. and there's to, just to be honest, so yeah. many components <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah player mats and glory tokens and the fleet tokens and the fleet power cubes and the dials and the like yeah this is a big game already yeah yeah yeah. so it actually (laughs) the first time uh i was like i'm gonna set up this game right and i started (laughs) taking everything out of the box i think it took me two hours just to get everything out of the box amazing punch all the chits uh make a decision on how to organize it yeah. Uh and and by the time like I'd gotten all that stuff, I was like, well, I'm not playing this game. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'll come back to it. So then the next night I come back to it and I start setting it up on the table. It took me like an hour and a half just to <laughs> set it up. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time I set it up, I'm like, no, they can't play it. <laughs> I can't play it now. Um yeah, so fortunately I like I, I I left it set up. Now I think you'd get faster at the setup. Sure. You right as you get to know the game. Um but yeah, it's it's a beast. It's a beast to get on the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely one you'd, you you're you're better off if you've got a table you can sort of yeah, set the game up with ahead of time and let it sit. Or maybe, you know, set the game up, play a few different games over a few different nights before you pack it all away, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, yeah, retail version. That's the one I would go for. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I totally pick up this game because it's, it's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, and like I said, solo primo, like, yeah, 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 highly recommend. Yeah, apparently, apparently, uh, in the Kickstarter version, uh, I have heard tell that the uh, inserts and the organizational system in the box sure. is beyond amazing. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In the retail version, there's a tray in the bottom where you're going to put your sector tiles and then there's kind of an open space and then there's like another tray with like four different open spaces when a lid goes on that it's okay but pretty much everything's just going to be in baggies thrown in these spaces and then thrown on top of this tray like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the the so I, I don't know. I don't I haven't seen the Kickstarter version inserts and whatever. Apparently they're amazing. Retail version. <laughs> no, not <just> so much. <laughs> go, go get some baggies and it's just that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It comes it comes with a lot of baggies. I I will say that, but I went out and actually bought more because you've got things like these little those little fleet power uh cubes. I don't want to I don't want to put them all in one big bag. I want to separate them out into small bags. Right. So, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went out, yeah. got a bunch of smaller bags and got it all organized now how I like it. And yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, that's wicked. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I keep saying it, but I, I just really enjoy this one and and I'd love to play it again. Yeah. We'll get it out soon. Sweet. Well, that's it for this episode of the Current Plays Podcast. Check the episode description for links to our website and our socials. And if you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Or just tell your friends about us and spread the word. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening. And tune in next time for more unscripted banter and deep dives into our favorite board games. Until then, gentle listeners, good gaming. And good night. Good night, folks.